0: This is A's Cast Live. Your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics.
1: Drive to deep center field. Going back,
2: Hernandez at the track, right to the wall. Gone! Elvis Andrews!
0: And 29 other MLB clubs. High drive, deep left field.
1: medios left the building. Guerrero lifts one to left field.
3: and Well, happy Monday, everybody. A day after Halloween where we got a little more clarity today about what's been going on with the Oakland Athletics and their former manager, Bob Melvin. A lot to get into in today's show. Normally, we we would be talking about the World Series, and we'd be talking about Game 6, Game 5. Is it going to be the Braves? Is it going to be the Astros? Is the Astros bounce back in Atlanta to get this series back home? But that's not what we're going to lead with today, and that's not what we're going to talk a whole lot about today. I will say this. Later on today, I think some good news. Well, first of all, Anthony Watrado from Forbes Sports is going to join us at 30. Forbes Magazine, of course, Forbes Sports section. Jesse Agler, who we've had on the program before, voice of the Padres, he'll be here at 2 o'clock. Bip Roberts, former athletic, former all-star, Bip will be here at 2.30. You see him on A's pre- and post-game live. Bob Nightingale from the USA Today, he's down in Houston at the World Series at 3. And then our own Roxy Bernstein will be here at 3.30. I'm going to tell you this. No matter what's going on, Bob Nightingale, I asked him the question about does he think this is going to be a dark winter? And I'm not talking about for the A's. It's about for the sport. And he doesn't think so. He thinks in the end, cooler heads will prevail And they will get a deal done. And I was like, "Whoa, that makes me feel a lot better. And the way he explains it, the amount of money lost in 2020, even the amount of money lost this year, and you want to go in and have this just war that's going to cause you more money again for the third straight year. Nobody wants that. Owners don't want that. Players don't want that. So a very refreshing look at the CBA, which is done on December 1st, to where right now you got the majority of the national guys playing the doom and gloom role. So at three o'clock, I think you're really going to enjoy that. And obviously, Bob really connected uh, with the A's organization. His connection to Bob Melvin, his connection to Billy Bean. So at three o'clock, you're going to, you know, you're you're going to you're going to have a guy spitting some knowledge at you. Let's just say that because we taped that before the show today. But we will start with this. Happy birthday, Commander.
1: Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, now the same age as Steph Curry. So you talk about two Bay Area legends, uh, myself and now Steph Curry.
3: What age age is that?
1: 33. Steph will be 34 in March. So 33 years old. Um, Not many guys can say they're about to be married for the second time at age 33. But here we are.
3: Oh, no, no. There's a lot of guys who can say they've been married by the second time by 33. Don't kid yourself. Some even
1: three times. Okay. Yeah, I'm not going to be there. So, but yeah. uh, thirty-three. So you say. So you say. 33 uh,
3: my, aunt, my aunt Judy got married four times
1: oh uh, yeah that's I think I think two is an, enough for me uh but 33 is a you know it's a good number I, I was look, the only birthday I was really ever looking forward to really after 21 was 30 and I got overshadowed by my future brother and sister-in-law getting married on my 30th birthday so that was overshadowed by having to fly to Pasadena for a wedding um so uh, every birthday You're going 33
3: 34. 35 is kind of like, all right, wow, I'm 35. But then you're 36, 37, 38, then 39, then 39 hits, and now you're staring at the big 4 And, you know, the big four-zero, and people don't like to uh, bring it up, but unless you're going to live a long time, you're starting to hit the back nine of the golf course. And I've been on that back nine for a while myself. <laughs> and it kind of, you know, it, it puts into perspective, right? You know, when you, you know, like it, it's something that I'm I'm going to talk about with Bob Melvin and relate it to the great Jerry Remy and relate it to my father. As sad to hear that Jerry Remy, longtime player, longtime great broadcaster for the Red Sox, passed away the other day at the age of 68. You know, my dad passed away at the age of 68. So... You know, as Dusty Baker once said, and I'll never forget this. I know I've mentioned it on the show, but I'll mention it again. Tomorrow is promised to nobody. So, you know, you are at you're at a birthday that's not a big deal, but it's still you're still young and you're still good. And so that's uh happy birthday to you. I know you're going for a, a big steak dinner tonight and enjoy that with your uh beautiful fiance and what kind of meat are you going to get? What kind of man are you when you go to a steakhouse? This, this is such a judgmental call and it kind of tells everybody what kind of guy you are. What kind of meat do you get when you go to a big steakhouse?
1: I didn't really look at the menu yet. I usually go with the filet and when I go, but um, See, that tells me everything
3: I need to know about you.
1: But I, but I also don't, I have you, lo-
3: you know why they, they have filet mignons,
1: right? No. So, Cause that's what, Pretty much women only order. Well, I mean, I haven't really been to any really nice steakhouses, so I can't really. I'm, I'm just th- saying. I mean, you know, if you would have said ribeye, you would have said New York, you would have said
3: porterhouse. Oh, I order.
1: I order New York when I when I have New York's on the menu. I order New York strip steak. I I order New York ribeye oh, yeah, I guarantee
3: too. You they're going to have a New York. They'll have a ribeye, a New York porterhouse.
1: I I, I only like
3: but you said fillet and that's all cuz when need i now. saw
1: the the very like they showed the menu and that was like the first steak that popped out i'm like oh okay well all right so they have a they have that there so this must be a you know a decently priced steakhouse So let's go there
3: mhm all right all right well i hope you have a good time tonight
1: well the big news today
3: obviously it's official by the way everybody was wrong and when i mean everybody i mean everybody we talked to cuz cuz it was like, hey, why is everything so in secrecy and why are we? And it was the whole, well, you can't do anything during the World Series. Well, that's come to be uh, that's a football thing. Because Bob Melvin was announced today during the World Series as the new manager of the San Diego Padres and the A's and Billy Bean put out a statement. So. Uh, who all the people telling us that was the rule? They were wrong. They can't announce it. You know, I had a conversation with a with an A's fan today, and that A's fan perplexed of what what's going on. And I said, you know what? It, it really isn't. If you really think about it, it really isn't. And I'm going to tell you why. And I'm going to use Cody's age. If you're an A's fan in your 20s, you're an A's fan in your 30s. If you're an A's fan even in your 40s, you view life differently than the men that we're talking about. Bob Melvin is going to be 61 years old next year. Bob has told us on this program. I only got a few years left, and he even said it in the press conference today when he was announced. There's a lot of things that Bob wants to do with his wife going forward. He's not going to be a lifer. Bob is not going to be Dusty Baker. Bob is not going to be Tony Larusa. Bob's not going to be Jack McKeon. Bob's got a couple years left, and then there's things he wants to do. And he told you in the press conference today, if you watched it, you know, this is probably it for me. Signs a three-year deal, hopefully wins, maybe a couple, of, maybe an extension or something. Bob's not going into his 70s. So what I, what I had to tell this fan today was you view this, and Cody, he's about your age. I say you view this as a guy in your early 30s. Bob views this as a guy who's about to be 61 and the instability of everything around the A's right now. And you can say the same thing for Billy Bean, because come this March, Billy turns 60. If you're not paying attention, there's no shovels in the ground for a ballpark. There's no agreement with the city of Oakland. There's no agreement with Alameda County. If you haven't been paying attention, remember the environmental report was supposed to come out in October, it's been pushed back. We're gonna go into 2022 with still no deal, with still no answers. The A's have put forward a proposal that the city of Oakland or the city council, they didn't even wanna deal with it. They put out their own proposal. They voted on their own proposal that wasn't agreed to by them and the A's. I'm not telling you anything that this is no insider information, right? And then, this, then Alameda Board of Directors, they voted not on the A's proposal. They voted on the city's proposal. And all these votes are on non-binding proposals. No one's binding to it. They're just like, oh, we'll vote on it. And then it just hangs there. So if you're someone like Bob Melvin and you're Billy Bean or whoever and you're hearing, well, might not even be 2027, it could be 2028. If we don't have a deal done soon, does this maybe, are we talking 2029? Bob Melvin doesn't have that kind of time. You've got, I mean, obviously roster moves are going to be made. And I think Cody has brought up really the best point in a while because it's so easy to look at the A's like, oh, they're getting for another rebuild, which for years the A's don't rebuild. They make moves to keep trying to be competitive. But now you're looking at it. When you say, oh, it's a rebuild, you have to realize the A's probably need to make moves, folks with this roster because their roster is old for some reason people around the country think we have a bunch of young guys and we don't we actually have what baseball doesn't want a bunch of 30 year olds and Cody you brought this up the other day like everybody's trying to get younger you're trying to get guys in their prime you're trying to get you're trying to get younger while the A's are averaging I mean I mean it's hard to believe like when you told me I was like yeah that's right
1: we're one of the oldest teams in baseball. If you look at baseball reference and the average age for just take the ace hitters for, and this is basing off of all of 2021. Because uh, remember, Starling Marte, for as great as he was, he's 32, now 33 years old. So it's not like they, the A's got a guy in the middle of his prime. He's coming out of his prime. So he was old. Josh Harrison was old. Jan Gomes was old. The average age for the ace hitters at the, for the entire 2021 season through the end It's 30.1. That's the second oldest in baseball, the oldest in the American League. Only the Giants were older, and their average age was 30.6, so about 31. The A's pitchers, that's starters and their bullpen collectively, is their average age is also the same, 30.1. That's tied for the oldest with the Washington Nationals and the St. Louis Cardinals. Now remember, the Cardinals are being managed by a guy that's two years older than me, and they have eight guys on the roster that are older than their manager currently. That that's not a good sign. If you're if you want to get younger, you you need to think about what the guys are currently on your roster. Where a lot of the A's players are in their late, you know, their late twenties, going into their early thirties. The youngest starter in the A's rotation that made at least ten starts is either Cole Irvin or James Caprelian. They're both twenty-seven years old. It's not like they're twenty-four. I mean, Dalton Jeffries is 25. The A starters are not young. So when I mean, you look in the bullpen, even older. I mean, look at the oh, guys. Come.
3: Okay, let, let, let me just read these names. Tell me one guy that's underneath 30. Mark Canna, Andrew Chafin, Jake Diekman, Mike Fires, Jan Gomes, Josh Harrison, Jed Lowry, Starling Marte, Mitch Moreland, Yasmero Petit, Trevor Rosenthal, Sergio Romo, and Chris Davis. They're
1: all well over 30.
3: I'm telling you, when you brought that up, it just hit me like wham, right in the head. I'm like that, and that's what I don't think people understand when they go, oh, the, I think it's lazy, to really be honest with you. When you need to make moves to to make your roster competitive, and you're thinking like, oh, we're just going to dump everybody. Well, which one of these guys would you break the bank for? And it's like, would you give Mark Canna the qualifying offer for 18.4 million when he hit 230 something? No. I mean, I love Mark Canna, but he I'm not giving him the qualifying offer. I mean, the A's the, I, I here's the thing, we talked about it. We fall in love with our players as much as any organization, but at some point you need to realize um, staying an older team is not a good idea long term. It's just not. I mean, the this 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 team and this core the way it is now is not going to win a World Series. So what do you do? I mean, there's a difference between tearing it down to the studs and just having a bunch of no name young guys. And you're trying to lose versus trying to get younger, but you still want to be competitive and you want to retool. Now I'd like to hear from David force at some point soon to go over some of this stuff. Um, What was the decision making about Bob and to let Bob walk? I, I think there's so many questions about this organization right now from who's going to be on the roster, when a ballpark is going to be built, that, that the A's believe, hey, listen, Bob, and hey, two years ago, they, they blocked Bob from talking to the Yankees. But now, we're two years later without – the same questions that were two years ago when Bob was blocked by the Yankees, the same questions are here today. And now you're talking parallel pass with Las Vegas. I just, you know, there's so much uncertainty. And, and I think Billy Bean knows and David Force knows Bob's got a couple of years left. He wants to try and win it. He's going to have an opportunity where he's going to make $12 million. You know, the A's weren't going to, add two more I mean I don't know what his exact salary was with, with us when they picked up the extension but they were not going to add two more years of guaranteed money that he's got an opportunity to make 12 million he's gonna go down to a, a beautiful ballpark in Petco Park he's got a he's got he's got a roster that has some serious talent and with the right moves and the right skipper maybe they can take on the Dodgers maybe they can take on the Giants and make make a run but it should make sense to everybody when you take the emotion out and you really look at what has happened, you know, and where really the A's are going forward. Because the uncertainty off the field and the uncertainty on the field is out there, and, Cody, there's no question about it. You can't, I mean, that 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 is just fact.
1: 100 and and while you're talking about that I was trying I hate to always go back to this one organization but we talk about how similar they are to to ours in the A's Tam, Tampa I'm looking at Tampa Bay right now and their average age of their position players now they turn through players more than anybody their average age of their position players this year was 27.7 so around 28. that was uh that was one two three four five six that was about 25 3rd or 24th in baseball. for So they were like the 7th youngest team in baseball. Uh, they're competitive every single year. So you can be young and still be competitive. Uh, one of the youngest teams in baseball is the Toronto Blue Jays, and uh, look how good they were this year. You you need to get younger to be competitive. I mean, you, you can be a team like St. Louis that has a lot of older players, and when they, they also had to go on a 17-game winning streak to get into the postseason. But uh, this idea that you – you fall in love with players, I get it. I mean, I've I, i, I I've had that problem before growing up in Pittsburgh. Like, I hate to draw that into that, but, like, you fall in love with players because you're not used to seeing a team win, where in Oakland you're used to seeing your team win. You fall in love with players too often, and then, then when they're gone, you're like, well, why'd you get rid of them? Well, you weren't going to resign these guys. Like, go all the way back to Josh Donaldson and going back to Cespedes and going back to Sonny Gray, these guys weren't staying here. And then they're great examples because what have they done since then? All the free agents you mentioned, the 13 free agents the A's have, they're all over 30. None of them are going to most likely going to be back. We'll see. But the offseason is something that's going to be very interesting. And when you mention Bob's age, he wants to be part of something that he knows it's going to be. San Diego is one of the youngest teams in baseball right now. They're also very young too, and they're exciting. And not saying the A's aren't exciting, but Bob knows what he's getting into with San Diego. And the, the extra two years I think of um, – stability and that he knows that he has that, that job security, I think that's a big selling point for him because he knows that this is probably his last stop. He even mentioned that. You mentioned it too. He said this is probably his last stop. And at 61 years old, uh, I, I don't blame him. He, he's not going to be dusty. He's not going to be Tony Larusa, Brian Snitker, Wash. If, if Wash gets another job, he's not going to be one of those guys. I don't think Bob's going to be managing in his 70s.
3: Well, I'm, I'm looking at the roster right now. All right. I mean, Chris Bassett is 32, going to be 33. Chafin, 31. Deekman, 34. Guerra, 32. Uh, yes, Petit 36. Sergio Romo's 38. I didn't realize this. Lou Trevino's 30. Jan Gomes, 34. Elvis Andrus is 33. Josh Harrison, 34. Tony Kemp, 30. Jed Lowry, 37, uh, Mark Canna, 32, Starling Marte is now 33, Stephen Piscotti, 30, Chris Davis, 33, and Mitch Moreland, 36. <laughs> he, we, we got an old ball club. And, 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 and another thing that's good for Bob, Bob found a desperate organization. Well, the desperate organization found him. I mean, think about it. They want to spend money. They want to win now. They're in win mode, and they're desperate. And Bob found a desperate team. Don Nelson used to talk about this all the time. He was always looking. I can't remember if he said billionaire or multimillionaire, but Don Nelson said, you're always looking for a desperate rich guy. And that's what Bob ran into, and that's why he's getting $12 million guaranteed. That's a, he, 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 he he got put into a great situation. But then again, there also is to be said, what Bill Walsh always said, 10 years in, maybe it's time to make changes. Maybe it is time for, you know, David Force to really be able to pick his guy, whoever that guy is, and go forward with that guy. Go forward with somebody that you're going to, you know, now that, a big core of the team, and I wouldn't even say core because we keep talking about, I mean, the core, I mean, you got Olsen and you got Chapman. And I guess if you want to throw Ramon Laureano in there, Sean Murphy, okay, you don't have this really huge core that you're talking about. And maybe it's that new voice, maybe it's that new guy that you'll be able to bring in, or maybe he's already in-house, and you move forward with that. There's always changes in professional sports. There always is. And I know we as human beings don't like change. You just don't. But there's always going to be change. And we're just lucky to have that run with Bob. When they, I mean, if you watch the press conference today, Bob Melvin led the A's to as many playoff appearances as as the Padres have ever had in their franchise's history. (laughs) I mean, I saw that and I was like, damn. I mean, that's how lucky we have been all these years with Billy Bean and David Forst, Bob Melvin, but even before Bob Melvin. Art Howe, Ken Maka. The Padres have only been to the playoffs six times and their franchise's history.
1: Uh, Bob's their twenty-second manager in the history. Okay, since Bob took over the A's in two thousand eleven, the Padres have had six managers in that span. Bob is now the seventh. Even for more context, since since the Padres, what was the Padres' first year? About the seventies. No,
3: it was sixty. Probably like.
1: I would say, like, 69. Okay, so since 1969, which is funny, that ties into this stat, since 1969, the Pittsburgh Steelers have had three head coaches in their history.
3: Oh, yeah, that, that's an anomaly.
1: And and they've all won 150 games. Chuck Knoll, yeah. Bill Cowher, and Mike Tomlin have all won 150 games for the Steelers. Meanwhile, the Padres have had 22 managers. Padres
3: were established in the National League in 1969. That is they've, been to, they've been to two World Series and only won one game in those two World Series. So they're desperate. They're desperate. I'm not buying the whole AJ Preller who uh started the press conference out with like, hey, I I called Billy and he said, No way. Go to hell. <laughs> yeah, I I think I think Billy totally understands. I think I, I think Billy understands where he is. You know, Billy hasn't been part of day-to-day now for a while. B- Billy has his interest in soccer. He does a lot of public speaking. I mean, come on. Billy Bean's about to be 60. You think he wants to? That, that, that's why the whole, the whole Mets thing was, and, and I told you first, but you didn't want to listen to me. You think Billy Bean's going to grind it out every day as an executive in New York and talk to the media every day? No. Anthony Wittrato from Forbes is going to join us next. A lot to get into. His thoughts on what's going on with the A's and also the World Series. Next, right here on A's Cast Live.
0: A's cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend.
3: I tell you what, if they make a movie about me and Brad Pitt plays me. I'm going to watch it every day. I'm going to have it. am going to have it on a loop in my house.
1: Brad Pitt's not playing you.
3: Who's playing me?
1: I know. that's a good question. I was thinking about that. if You said Brad Pitt. I'm like, who would who could play you in a movie about you? That's a that's a good question to put out, maybe someday to our uh, to our, to our audience. What's uh, his
3: name who plays Jason Bourne?
1: Matt Damon. Matt Damon. I mean, I'm a big Matt Damon guy. I don't know. I'm I i do not know. The hair is kind of similar. You guys, uh, I can see it a little bit. I don't see you being an action hero, but I can see you being in Good Will Hunting. Or I can see you going. How about them apples?
3: Well, the, the guy doesn't have to look exactly like you to play you, for God's sakes. Yeah,
1: but I know. But
3: I mean, some people played to historic figures and they look nothing like them.
1: Yeah, you're, you're aiming high with Matt Damon. You got to start low, then go high. Well, you can no, actually start high the name. Then, you know,
3: well, if this is going to be a blockbuster movie, what the hell are you talking about? You think Daniel Day-Lewis looked like Abe Lincoln?
1: <laughs> he was really good in that movie, though. That was well, a- he
3: looked nothing like Abe Lincoln. What the hell are you talking about?
1: That's yeah, true. But it's a good movie still.
3: Anthony is gonna join us in, in a moment. Anthony, how are you doing? Chris Townsend with the A's.
4: Hey, hey, how are you?
3: Uh well, it's been interesting times. Uh you you want to talk about a move that comes out of left field. As a national guy, when you saw that pop up probably on your phone, that Bob Melvin has agreed to be the manager of the San Diego Padres three years, 12 million. What were your thoughts?
4: You know what? I, I think my first initial thought was, was, wow. Uh, I didn't know that Bob was a candidate for any other managerial jobs. Uh, but my, I think my quickly, my second thought was, what a steal for San Diego. Uh, you know, it, it really was a surprise, I think, to most of us in, in, in baseball media. Yeah. Um, and, and given the names that we had, that we had seen associated with that Padres job, they were sort of, uninspiring, I, I, I guess you could say. Um, and, and when they, when that announcement came out that, that it was Melvin, um, I I think I had the same reaction as a lot of, a lot of media people that, um, this is just a huge, huge gift for the Padres, probably as big as any player they could have signed, uh, in terms of how he's going to impact that clubhouse. Uh, you know, there was, there were some issues there in San Diego, uh, it sounded like, and, When you bring in a guy like Melvin, who's so respected, um, all of that stuff almost immediately sort of seems to wash away. I I, I thought it was a fantastic uh, hire for San Diego, and unfortunately, a huge loss for the A's.
3: You know, it's a question that I want to get to the bottom to, and 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 I will. I just don't know how long it's going to take. It's just why would San Diego? When you look at Bob Melvin, they just picked up his contract extension. He just became the all-time winningest manager in Oakland A's history. He's the longest tenured manager of anybody in the big leagues. Like, where would San Diego even get off calling the Oakland A's about Bob Melvin?
4: You know what? It, a couple of theories on that. I, you know, A.J. Preller, uh, you can say what you want about him as a as a GM and and – and how he builds his rosters. Um, but one thing that you cannot say is that he does not do his due diligence. <laughs> and I think that while everyone may have thought that there was no way Bob Melvin was going to leave Oakland, uh, you know, he he was touching all his bases and, and made sure that he probably contacted a lot of different organizations um, who have managers that maybe were on Treller's radar. And the A's, you know, apparently they bit on the call and, and, and the ball got rolling. And so, um, you know, given, given the history there with, with Bob and in Oakland, again, it was, it was a huge shock to a lot of people. Uh, I'm sure it was a shock to the players who are going to be uh, coming back for spring training. But, uh, you know, I, I think that you, I guess you never know until you try, you know what I mean? And and so kudos to Preller for saying, you know what? This guy has a reputation of being this sort of manager who can kind of bring a clubhouse together. And and that was a huge problem for the Padres again. Um, And so he made the call and and he got his guy.
3: Yeah, as my late father used to say, the worst they can say is no. And obviously calling around and, hey, just seeing who's available. uh, I wonder how shocked the Padres were when they said, yeah, we'll allow you to talk to Bob.
4: <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, what's, what's more shocking. I think if you're on the other side on, on, in San Diego is probably that you didn't have to pay for him. Yes. You know, there no compensation coming back. Oakland's way is stunning. Uh, Bob was still under contract. So the fact that he got permission to talk, uh was was interesting and the fact that that the a's got nothing in compensation for losing a a manager who was under contract who they had no who i assume they had no plans on firing uh was truly truly stunning and head scratching to say the least especially for a team that pinches pennies the way the a's do
3: yeah i mean we're, we're, we're all still pretty stunned by it but you know what I mean, for Bob, we, you know, we 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 did the Bob Melvin show here every single week, and we love Bob to death. And you know, he he, as he said in this press conference today, he he's got a few years left. He he, he doesn't want to be a lifer. He's not looking to do this into his seventies. He's going to be sixty-one next season, and he gets to go to a beautiful ballpark. They're going to be packed uh, there at Petco Park because there's so much excitement about the Padres right now, and. He gets a chance to win and to win now. Uh, what do you think about that division when you talk about what the Giants did, who the Dodgers still are, and now Bob Melvin with the Padres?
4: Yeah, I think it's a good time for the Padres to make a move like this. Um, you know, I mean, granted, anytime your clubhouse is a little bit of disarray the way it was, maybe more than a little bit, it's it's you got to make a move. Uh, and they did that, but I think the position that it falls into is uh is is really good for them because the dodgers are, are probably not going to bring back the entire team that won 106 games last season uh and the giants aren't going to bring back the team that won 107 and for the giants to win anywhere close to that is going to again it's going to probably be against the odds because they got some some performances that were completely unexpected um on on from different areas in different positions so to repeat that stuff is is tough
1: um
4: and and the dodgers are still going to be the 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 cream of that division um but you know until the padres kind of tanked they were right there you know they they went into the second half with the chance to win that division um and, and then they end up finishing below 500 so I think when you add a piece like Bob Melvin, even though he's not swinging the bat or throwing the pitches uh, it's going to mean something because especially coming for the Padres seem to be at where there was some, like, again, there was some turmoil in that clubhouse and, and there were some guys who maybe didn't buy into what Jace Tingler was doing at, at a certain point in the dugout and, and maybe tuned it out a little bit. And so when you, again, you bring in a veteran like Bob Melvin, who's got a ton of respect and, and, uh where this, these San Diego Padres players can call other veterans they respect and say, hey, what's up with Bob Melvin? And those reviews are going to be glowing, I would imagine. And so he walks in on the first day, and he just commands instant respect. And I think that makes the Padres, again, um, a serious threat in the NL West.
3: You know, it's funny. We were thinking about it earlier today on the program. You know, obviously the Padres want to make their move. They're not worried about the lockout. They want they 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 want to get their guy. I don't I I mean, you tell me I, I don't know how many more moves will be made after the World Series until we get a CBA done? I mean, could you see Bob being like one of very few, if maybe the only move made in baseball until the owners and players come together on a deal?
4: Yeah, it's going to take some time. I look, I, I think that the, the big guys are going to be, if not taken off the board, they're going to have offers on the table in a normal amount of time. Now we don't always know what those are. Um, but you know, the guys like Scherzer, you know, those, the Corey Seager, the, that crop of short stuff, they're going to have, uh, you know, they're going to have their, their offers sort of presented to them, at least the early ones. Um, regardless of what happens in the CBA, just because they command that type of uh, attention. Uh, now with a lot of the other stuff, you know, uh, yeah, I, I don't think you're going to see those kind of secondary and fringe moves made uh, until there's a better understanding of what the CBA is going to bring. And that includes the DH in the national league, because there's not any, not one team, the Dodgers were probably the most powerful offense. You know, I wouldn't say that they were the best offense last year, but they were most powerful. And they were not built to house the DH on that roster.
2: Um,
4: And, and, and I think a lot of national league teams are going to take some time to fall into that mold of having a full-time DH or something close to it. I think for a lot of these teams, it's probably going to end up being a platoon type situation for that position um, because they're going to be late moving on filling those holes. And there's not a lot of guys who fit the role where you're strictly a DH. And so, yeah, I think when, when when in terms of the CBA being negotiated, you're going to see some of those kinds of moves take a lot of time to, to to sort of flesh out because teams want to see where they're going to be able to fall financially.
3: You know, that's you know for so many years basically you'd take an aging player, an aging great player, a guy that, you know, for the most part was going to be a, a future Hall of Famer who couldn't play in the field anymore, but could still hit, whether you're talking about Dave Winfield or George Brett or Paul Muller or Reggie Jackson, and these guys were your DHS. Now, if you're, if everybody's going to have a DH, I think you're totally right. There's not 30 legit DHS out there. There's just not.
4: No, there's not. And and I think, you know, a, a lot of the guys who you, who sort of fall into the role of, you know, I want this guy to hit for me every day they, they also contribute something somewhere else. Um, you know, you, 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 there's very few guys like Justin Turner for the Dodgers might be one of those guys coming up. Um, obviously Nelson Cruz is still in the league. And, and I mean, you talk about that position, extending life in, in, you know, extending baseball lives. Nelson Cruz is not in the, in major league baseball if there's not a DH in the American league. He's just not. Um, and so, you know, there, there are some candidates that you can look at and say, yeah, this guy could fit the role. But right now, as things sit, most of the guys who who ideally, quote unquote, fit, fit that role are already, they already have jobs in the American League um, and, and not all of them are free agents. So, yeah, I think it's going to be it's going to take some time for the National League to sort of roll that out um, if they ever really do. I mean, we may see American League teams more, move more toward that platoon uh situation also even with the dh so yeah i I think in terms of the cba um it's going to be slow moving outside of those top tier free agents
3: what do you make of this world series so far and are you a little bit worried that this could be the lowest rated world series television wise of all time
4: um uh, the, the the world series has been entertaining so far uh you know, I, I think that this is an interesting season. I think because you, you, there's not a you, it, it's hard to predict what's going to happen. You know, the Astros are a juggernaut offense, and then they can't do anything in the World Series. So, I you wonder if if the last eighteen months or so is really taking a toll on how guys have prepared and conditioned, and not that they're out of shape. It's just that it's been a lot, um, and so you kind of wonder about some things like that. Uh, and, and hopefully having a full off season, a full regular off season, and then a a regular start to spring training, um, is going to help, you know, we'll see about that. So the world series has been entertaining. There's no question about that. Uh, now when you, when you talk about ratings, I'm starting to come to come around on the idea that look, you, you cannot compare major league baseball to a sport like the NFL or to a league like the NFL. When it comes to ratings, because it's apples to oranges, it's not the same thing. Um, Rob Manfred got jumped on the other day when he called Major League Baseball a local sport, and to an extent, it is. How it's how it's marketed should not be local. That should be part of the plan, but that should not be strictly what the plan is. But given you know the way the rating systems work and 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 how that plays out, uh, if your team's not in it it can be difficult to, to, to have a, a real interest or a real sort of stake in the ground when it comes to the World Series, uh, you know, where, as, as opposed to the NFL where the Super Bowl is a spectacle and it's, a, it's you know sort of a national holiday in this country. And so I think that if you look at the low ratings, it's just, I think it's just a, a matter of the teams not being as interesting. You know, if you had the Astros maybe last year, uh, you know, or coming, you know, right, coming off of that scandal, then maybe the ratings are higher because people want to see Houston and they want to root against them or something like that. But I think that's that's sort of faded by now. Uh, and you're getting more of a regional audience first as opposed to a national one. You know, if, if you take a team like the Dodgers and you put against a team like the Red Sox or Yankees, that's going to be a different story. Right. Just because the fan bases are larger and, and more casual fans are going to have a rooting interest. Um, but I don't think it's anything to push the panic button over. You get this sometimes when you have teams like the Rays or, you know, maybe like the Padres who, who might make the world series.
3: Yeah. I mean, you, you wish it, it was always high, but it is what it is. Well, you know, when you, you, you're looking after this world series, what are you looking forward to the most? in the offseason and it's not getting that CBA done. What, what's the one thing oh. you're looking at the most that you, <laughs> you, you want to see?
4: All right. he took my answer out of, uh, off of, out of my hands. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I
3: took the low <laughs> hanging fruit out.
4: Yeah. Right. For sure. For sure. You make me think a little bit. Um, so, so much is related to that. Like, you know, I could say, I really am curious how this crop of shortstops plays out, but, that's that's sort of it's tied to what happens with the cba look i, I think that for uh you know if, if you're not talking about will there or won't there be a strike or, or a lockout or something like that uh and we're not talking about rule changes um I, I think one of the more interesting things is um what major league baseball does to address some social issues uh look we're, we're looking right now at A temperature in the baseball world and in baseball media and in national media, national sports media, that is saying, "Look, it's not okay to do the tomahawk chop." And Fox is turning around and and showing it, even with this cloud kind of surrounding all of everything that's happening with that. Um, You know, I wrote a column about it. You know, a lot of people have. Um, And so it's not just that, but baseball has had kind of a slippery track record. Uh, ever since the summer of 2020, uh, you know, with, with sort of this this uh, social justice reckoning that's been going on in the country, um, and they've tried to stay out of it as much as they can. And what, what I think what Rob Manfred said before Game One of the World Series about, um, basically, sort of this is he, he was very dismissive about the concern and said, "Look, we got we have one you know local." native American group on board with this. So they kind of speak for everybody. I think that is going to really stir the pot in the off season about how major league baseball is gonna handle other things. um, Because I don't think that they're gonna get a pass anymore and they shouldn't and neither should Rob Manfred. It's time for them to answer some harder questions with real answers. And that's something that he's failed to do um, at just about every turn and every opportunity. Uh, Luckily for baseball, things like the players Alliance has popped up and, and has done some of the work that major league baseball should have been leading on. Um, but I think going forward, anytime any of this stuff pops up, baseball is going to be taken, you know, they're going to be kind of taken to the mat and, 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 you know, be asked about this stuff and be expected to be, um, proactive as opposed to just completely reactive.
3: Hey, great stuff. As always enjoy the rest of the world series. And we'll talk to you soon in the off season.
1: All right. Sounds good.
3: Take care, Anthony's good.
1: Yeah, I I liked his answer at the end. I knew that uh, I saw he had an article out about the situation in Atlanta, and I knew that he bring that up, so um, I knew that was you know that's that's been the big situation going on with what's going on in Atlanta, and um, so. But uh, you know we, we didn't we didn't bring up. Um, I have it right here. Do you, do you want to hear Billy Bean's uh, statement? want to hear what Billy had to say about Bob that was released? Well, some of our fans might not have heard it. Uh, Here's the official statement from A's Executive Vice President of Baseball Operations, Billy Bean. I want to thank Bob for an incredible decade as manager of the Oakland A's. He leaves here as the winningest manager in Oakland history and as one of the all-time greats for this franchise. His passion for the A's on and off the field his brilliant mind for the game, and his professionalism in every situation made him the perfect manager for us over the last 11 years. I wish him nothing but the best in his new opportunity and beyond.
3: What else is he going to say? I mean, that's very nice of him to say. What else is he going to say?
1: Yeah, I mean, are people expecting to be like, I can't believe he would leave. Why would he do this? You allow –
3: (laughs) you allow – you know, know, there's that narrative that, hey, but, you know, Bob had – Bob didn't have – Bob could have said no. Bob could have said, you know what, I'm staying here. They just picked up my extension, and I'm staying here. Once again, he got a deal. I mean, he got a deal he couldn't refuse. I mean, it's $12 million. I mean, if someone said, I'm going to write you a check for $12 million, what do you say? And once again, with all the uncertainty around the A's on and off the field, I understand. Everybody knows the score. I just want to know, did A.J. Preller just say out of the blue? I mean, was, was there just a meeting in San Diego? If you don't know, A.J. Preller is the guy that runs the Padres. Maybe he, is, maybe he is a great, great due diligence guy. Maybe he looked around at every veteran manager and said, we're going to call every one of those teams. But I just want to know, why did he pick up the phone and call Billy? Why? like, Why would you even think that Bob would be available? I mean, it's a ballsy move. And once again, what's the worst that Billy's going to say is no. But I just, why would you think? That's why I just, you know, do we know the full story yet? No. But maybe it's very simple. Maybe they interviewed candidates in San Diego, realized they didn't like what we were hearing, and he looks around to his group and says, Hey, we, we, we need to find somebody else. All right, let's look at guys who are, you know, obviously not under a long contract. But I don't, I mean, is there any baseball manager under a long contract? I would have to say no. Um. But, but you look around, there's nobody. So it, it, there's nobody out there who has like a five. Bob may have, Bob may have the longest deal now.
1: I'm trying to think of what Tito's is because he's been in Cleveland for a while now.
3: I look at Aaron Boone. Aaron Boone was down to one year. You know, are they going to bring him back now? But I so I can now, I guess, you know, he looks around the room, says, We we line me up, guys, the veteran managers that we like, and let's call and just see what happens. And it just so happened that, and I wonder if AJ said, Hey, Billy, we're willing to offer him a long term deal. Something that, that there's something that this just can't be, and maybe I'm wrong. It wouldn't be the first, and it's not going to be the last, but I just can't see it. It's AJ Preller gets on the phone. Doot, 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 doot. Hey Billy, what's going on? Yeah, hey, uh, is it cool if we talked to Bob Melvin? Yeah, sure, no problem. Go ahead and talk to him. Hey Bob. You know, Bob mentioned. You know, they 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 talked in Peoria. Then he went out to San Diego and they whined and dined him. Boom, deal's done. That deal got done really quick. So I'm just wondering. And now every single time I get a a, a notification on my phone, it scares me because one just came <laughs> down. But I'm just wondering, like, what did AJ say to Bean that Bean that made Bean go, "Yeah, you can talk to Melvin." like I, I i wouldn't believe that if preller calls bean and says yeah we 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 just we are kicking the tires we'd offer him a one year deal maybe one year with an option i just have a feeling that there's more there's more to there's always more to the story like hey we're willing to make this guy a, a primetime offer One of the best offers in the big leagues. Something had to go. if If I'm to believe how this went down, and hopefully we'll find it out pretty soon, which we'll let you guys know, but obviously A.J. Preller had to have an idea of like, how am I, you know what, this is what I'm trying to say. A.J. Preller had to have a story that he could sell to Billy Bean to make Billy Bean say, yes, you can talk to him. There had to be a story there. Maybe, I mean, I believe that's the way it probably went down. Could have not gone down that way, maybe. But, you know, you just think about it. You just think about how business is done. And you had to let Billy know that, like, listen, I'm, I'm looking to take care of this guy with a really, really good deal. And that's where Billy, who really likes Melvin, knows that the A's aren't going to do that with the whole potential lockout and all that stuff coming up, that Billy finally maybe could. And I don't even know if John, if John Fisher's involved in this. I'm sure he's got to be, as he's the owner. Um, you know, it's like, hey, John, they're they're going to offer him a, a you know, in, in baseball, a three-year, 12-year deal. Uh, Wouldn't you say Cody is a long-term deal
1: in our sport? Uh, yes, absolutely. And Preller kind of mentioned it. Um, he, he said that they were putting together like a, their dream list, and Bob was on like that list. Um, I have the audio, but for some reason, you won't be able to hear it, so there's really no point in playing it um, if you're not able to hear it. <laughs> I mean, we could try it, but Preller explains it. Here, I'll play it, and we'll see if you're able to hear it. But here's A.J. Preller explaining the uh, situation with, uh, you know, when he came to realize that Bob might be available.
5: You know, again, when we we started uh, right when the season was over, and you kind of put your, your your wish list and your dream list together. I mean, he was he was a name that uh, just internally in the office that we were throwing around. Um, Again, I think you know. I think for us, just being open-minded and and, and looking at different situations around the league, um, and I think what we tried to do in the process was was sit and talk to some other candidates. Obviously, Bob's situation being under contract, I think for us it wasn't going to be where he was going to come in and be one of ten candidates. I think what we tried to do was first uh, first couple weeks in the process, go out and find other other candidates that, that that were available at that time that we could connect with, with the idea that hey, at the right point in time, reach out to Billy um and and Oakland and just see you know if we got to a point where compare Bob to to the other candidates that we had looked at um because again you have to be respectful of their franchise their organization what they're trying to do on on that front so that's the way we try to attack it over the last few weeks
3: coming up next we head to San Diego Jesse Agler the voice of the Padres what does he know you'll find out right here on A's Cast Live
0: A's cast live continues from the town here's Chris Townsend
3: so we're gonna head to San Diego to talk to Jesse Agler voice of the Padres to see was he shot or did they know because there was a little whining and dining going on according to Bob Melvin and AJ Preller there were some meetings in Peoria that's where the Padres cha- uh, train for spring training and it's where their facility is and then of course there were some dinners in San Diego, uh, conversations with the owner, getting to know Bob, but it did happen pretty fast.
1: Apparently, Bob was sold on AJ probably having basketballs in the background, too, him being a hooper that sold Bob.
3: <laughs> I mean, the whole thing. Uh, the the whole thing is just, it, it, you just scratch your head and, and you're like, wow, this uh, happened real fast. Jesse, welcome back to AIDS Cast Live. How are you?
4: Good, good to hear your
3: voice,
6: and uh, thanks for having me.
3: Well, I got to tell you, for us, it was an absolute shock. When it came across our phones and we got that update that Bob Melvin had signed with the San Diego Padres, all of us were like, What? It came out of left field. Was it like that for you guys in San Diego, or were you hearing rumblings that this could be a possibility?
6: No, I mean, it, this has to be like the most uh, ninja like managerial acquisition in, in sports history. I didn't hear a word, a peep. I don't think anybody else did either, you know, really, until it was reported here by AJ Cass of MLB.com And it literally came out of nowhere. It was one of those where I looked at my phone twice, like, all right, is that actually AJ's account? You know, or, or like, is somebody just tweeting something? And, and it was uh, literally out of nowhere. You know, they've been meeting and talking four or five days. A lot of it taking place out in Arizona, where Bob lives and where the Padres obviously have their, their spring training complex. So I guess, maybe a little bit more, you know, away from both the Bay Area and San Diego. You could be a little bit more clandestine. Um, but uh, apparently, as I learned today, uh, the, the circle was kept extremely tight, I think, by all parties, uh, you know, when it, when it came to, to everything that was going on. And um, it, it is pretty wild, though, that it was able to be kept so quiet because, you know, you consider there's, you know, Bob himself and everybody in his circle and the Padre circle and the A's circle. Uh, but, but everybody obviously really kind of respected, the, I think, the sanctity of the process, if you will.
3: Yeah, because when you look at it, you, you kind of wonder, like, why would even AJ Preller call about Bob? Bob just got the uh, extension picked up. He just yeah. became the all-time winningest manager in Oakland A's history. We celebrated him. We had a we had a pre we had a press conference for him. I'm like, just the thought that that he would kick the tires and even call Billy Bean it's it's hard to believe.
6: That is uh, A.J. Preller in a nutshell for you right there. And, you know, the, the, the comparison that was kind of bumping through my head today as I was thinking about it was uh, of that and Joe Musgrove. And that's going to sound weird, I know, out of context, so I'll explain it. And, and last offseason, the Padres obviously made the big splashes in December. And they went out and they traded for both U Darvish and Blake Snell. And I think at that point, everybody figured, well, they you know, they've used all their chips, right? There, there's no other big trade that they can go out and make. Uh, because they've they've given up the prospects that they're willing to part with and blah, 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 blah. Uh, and they then, a few weeks later, go out and trade for Joe Musgrove from Pittsburgh, and he ends up being the best pitcher in the Padres rotation this past season. And it was sort of like, AJ never thinks something is impossible. Um, and, and so while everybody on the outside said, well, they can't possibly go out and trade for anybody else because they've already traded for those two big names, those two big ticket items, uh, he said, well, sure I can. Let me try. And he pulled it off. And that's exactly what this felt like to me. You know, I mean, everybody's saying, well, no, of course you can't have Bob Melvin because he's the A's manager. And they picked up his option in June. Um, and AJ, I think, just doesn't think that way. Um, and why not give a call? And I think basically what happened is it, is it sort of sounds like is that, you know, the, the Padre brain trust got in the room at some point And they basically said, all right, who's on our managerial wish list? And it sounded like, well, in a perfect world, Bob Melvin would be our guy. He is the, the exact right guy for this team in this moment. And so I, I think if everybody is able to come to that consensus, all right, might as well call Billy, you know, and see what it, what happens. And I don't know if you guys heard it, but like what AJ said during the press conference today was that, you know, the, the first words out of Billy Bean's mouth, I think, were go to hell. Uh, but then, you know, they, they kind of laughed and, and continued the conversation. And it, it sounded like really that, you know, Billy and everybody else at, at, at the high levels of the Oakland organization, they just have so much, A, respect for Bob Melvin, but I think also, B, appreciation for everything that he's done there that, you know, if, if this is what Bob Melvin thought was best for him at this point, you know, they were they were, they were willing to go with that. And, and to kind of show that kind of respect, I think, is extraordinary and tells you an awful lot about, about both the A's and, and also Bob.
3: Yeah, I'm trying to research and get down to the the bottom of it, how it truly went down. But I got a feeling, and tell me if you agree, that A.J. Preller said to Billy Bean, we're willing to make him a long-term offer, which in our sport, a three-year offer for a manager is kind of a long-term deal. I'm wondering if that's how – you know, you got to sell the story. I wonder if Preller said to Billy, we're looking to give him one of the best offers – if that was how he sold Billy Bean to allow uh, Preller to talk to Bob Melvin, would you buy that?
6: I, you know, I mean, I'm sure there were a lot of things that went into it. I, I've met Billy Bean twice. Neither time did we talk baseball. Uh, one time I helped him find his car in a parking lot, and the other time we were on an escalator. So I, I really don't have, you know, any uh, great inside knowledge into how he picks, um, other than everything you know that we know, of course, because he's uh, perhaps the most well known publicly, at least baseball executive of all time uh so you know i i wouldn't feel comfortable speculating in in terms of how that all went down uh but yeah i mean look they're two very creative people um there there are a couple of people who are not afraid to think outside the box so I, i imagine it could have been any you know collection of things for sure
3: You know, there's talk about what happened in San Diego towards the end of the year, and it sounded like there were issues in the clubhouse. Whatever they were, there were issues. And there were a lot of expectations. And wouldn't you say the reason why they're bringing Bob Melvin in, just not for him as a baseball man, but for all these years, how well he's handled the clubhouse?
6: No, I don't think there's any question. I, I had a conversation with a Padre executive last week, and I basically just was like point blank. I was like, all right, what are you guys looking for? You know, because at that point, we had heard every name under the sun, you know, kind of on the outside. And the first 11 things he rattled off all revolved around leadership. Now, as you mentioned, kind of the way the last season went, that shouldn't be any kind of real surprise, but it, it certainly telegraphed what they were all about. And I mean, I don't need to tell anybody listening to this up in Oakland or, or an A's fan. I mean, he, he is leadership, Bob Nelson. I mean, you, you, you read and you hear what people say about him, the people who have played for him. I mean, it's, it's remarkable. I haven't heard a bad thing yet, honest to God. You know, I mean, I was joking about it with one of the reporters who covers the Padres today. So he was like, I'm, I'm trying to find somebody to say something bad about him. I literally can't find it. And I mean, you know, the, the Stephen Vogt quotes uh, I thought were incredibly impactful that I saw the AP had. What Chris had tweeted the other day, I thought was remarkable. I mean, everybody is in a position to say something nice about somebody when we're out the door. But... I, I thought it was next level. And and I think, you know, everything I've learned, talk, I talked to Vince, I talked to Roxy, who I know is on with you guys later today. Um, and, and it's like just person after person after person has nothing but like the utmost respect for Bob Melvin. And, and that's the word maybe that keeps coming up more than anything else is just, he's like universally respected and appreciated a good man uh, before even baseball stuff. And I think, you know, when it comes to leadership, that goes a long way, that earnestness, that having your players back, that open, you know, door in the manager's office, all that. I I got the opportunity to sit with Bob for 10, 15 minutes today and do an interview that'll go up on the Padre website. And, you know, he talked about playing for Sparky Anderson. And, you know, as a player, you would never go in his office. He's like, that's just, you know, he's like Sparky Anderson's a legend, Hall of Famer, everything like that. He's like, but that just wasn't how it was back then. I was not going to walk into Sparky's office and have a conversation with him. He goes, but for me, I like to always have that door open. I always want to make sure my players feel comfortable coming to talk to me. And it's it, those kinds of things that I think, you know, go, go such a long way.
3: What's the fan base's reaction in San Diego?
6: Uh, I mean, you know, they're, they're, they're hearing and seeing all the same things we are, right? I mean, it, it's, it's again, they're seeing the Stephen Vogt quotes. They're seeing the Chris Bassett tweet. They're seeing Jeff Passon saying it's a great hire. So that's really all they needed, right? Um, But I think also they see, you know, this is a guy who's been a three-time manager of the year. Look, the other one, maybe this is all everybody needs to know. The San Diego Padres in franchise history have been to the postseason six times. Bob Bellman has been seven times as a manager, okay? And he he hasn't been a manager as long as the Padres have been around. So, you know, you talk about resume, you talk about respect, you talk about reputation, uh, it's, it's a slam dunk. People are very excited. And that was even before the press conference. That was even before they got to hear from them firsthand. Um, you, you talk about a, a master of talking with reporters and, you know, kind of talking to the fan base through reporters. Uh, like, I'm not one to grade press conferences, but if I were, it was an A-plus today. I mean, he, he he was, it was remarkable to watch. I, I couldn't have been more impressed. Um, and I, I, I'm telling you guys, like, this is, and I feel bad because I know everything that he meant in Oakland. This is the absolute perfect person for this team in this time.
3: Yeah, I'm going to be interest, interested to see uh just how he works with the players. I I thought something, you know, as you know, we play the Padres and, and watching the Padres, I mean, this team everybody's got, you know, they've got all their hand slapping and handshakes and everything. I mean, they they celebrate for 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 a team that's won nothing. They celebrate more than any team I've ever seen. They've got the medallion with the chain and, and I wonder and Bob talked about that in the press conference saying, hey, it's good for the game, good for the game. But I wonder, Bob does have a little old school, and I wonder if he's going to be like, we need to win some games before everybody's acting like we've won some World Series.
6: I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll see, obviously. I mean, you guys know him at this point better than I do. Uh, but like you said, during the press conference, he was embracing that. He was talking about it. I I, I thought the, the money line in that answer was that, you know, all those old school things, he, he said they've been wiped out. So that was that was how we put it because they've been wiped out. And and whether that meant uh, swag chains or that meant swinging three, and zero with a six run lead, I don't know. But, you know, I think all of it kind of falls under that umbrella. And, uh, you know, all the things that I've heard about him and it was reinforced today listening to him speak was that he's a guy that understands every clubhouse is different. Every team is different. Every you know group of guys is different. And you tailor your approach to that. Um, so, you know, what they, what they did in Oakland was obviously what he did differently than in Seattle or Arizona, and it's going to be different in San Diego. He is who he is. Um, but, you know, that, that managerial approach, that leadership approach, I, I, I do get the sense he will tailor that to the group, and uh, it, it's a fun group here, that's for sure.
3: Well, I think about changes in San Francisco, changes in Los Angeles. Uh, I mean, don't you think next year in the National League West, it's going to look different?
6: Yeah. I mean, look, it always looks different. The Giants got all those guys that are going to be free agents. Obviously they got money to spend. Uh, You know, those are two of the most aggressive front offices in baseball. I'm I'm fully out of the prediction business. Now I I thought I was. And then last year going into the season, I got very caught up in it and, you know, all the Padre hype and thinking, you know, that this was going to be a a playoff team and, you know, Hey, the Giants are pretty cool, but they'll, they'll win 80. Um, And then, you know, obviously the Giants go out and flip the, the baseball world on, on its head during the season. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what it's going to look like. Obviously, we're very, very early in the off season. If there is a work stoppage, that'll that'll change some things as well. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be fun. You know, you you could have it turns out maybe three of the best teams in the National League all playing each other in eighteen nineteen times. So um, yeah, it's 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 a real big dog division right now, and it's fun to be one of the big dogs.
3: What do you what have you made of the World Series so far?
6: Uh, it's it's interesting. I mean, I was talking to somebody today and I was like, you know, it used to be you would look at the probables starting pitcher and you say, all right, well, you know, tomorrow or Wednesday, whatever that oh, this team has an edge over that team because of that. like You just can't do it anymore. And I mean, you know, it's, it's something we've all been seeing, obviously, for the last couple of years. But this World Series seems to have taken it all the way. And, you know, like you say, well, the Astros, you know, probably won't have Framber Valdez available again the rest of the series. So, you know, the, that gives an edge to the Braves, and it's like, nah, I, I don't necessarily think that anymore. I, you know, I think this is just sort of the tipping point world series when it comes to pitcher usage. And I think it's been kind of fascinating to watch that all go. Um, but, but aside from that, yeah, it's been, it's been fun. You know, I mean that, the game yesterday, I thought was extraordinary. That was it was a great baseball game and, and really, really enjoyable. The last two have been a lot of fun. Crowds have been great. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, for me sort of where the, where the Potteries have been the last couple of years and where they hope to go, I have a hard time watching those games and not, just thinking to myself, man, I can't wait until that thought. Um, so that, that's kind of the primary thought that always pulses through my mind. And and now hopefully they've got the guy who'll be uh, sitting on the bench uh, during that World Series.
3: Well, you know, we always talked about, hey, tomorrow's momentum. That's the starting pitcher. Now we're like, yeah. Uh, uh, well, no, that guy's <laughs> only going to go an inning. And then this guy's going two. And then, I mean, so it's like totally the script has been flipped. There's no question.
6: Yeah. This, this is it. Like we've all, look, you, 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 you see every game every day. Like I do, like this has been coming, you know, it's not out of thin blue air or anything like that, but it does still feel to me like kind of the the tipping point or like that, that last moment of, all right, this is, this is no longer a fluky thing. This is no longer a Tampa Bay thing. This is no longer only when you have to thing. It's now like a a prevailing strategy in baseball. And, you know, we'll see what potential rule changes coming, uh, you know, how different or not that looks next year and beyond. But, there's no doubt right now. I mean, the book has been thrown out, and it's kind of neat because everybody going into it, right? You know, you Dusty and you would Snicker and these kind of old-school managers, and it's like, nah. You know, they, they, their eyes are wide open. You know, they they know everything that's going on in the sport, and and they have adapted as as every other successful manager has uh, over the last few years to the way the game is played now.
3: Well, it's a big loss for us, but you're going to love him. He's he's a wonderful man. He's very thoughtful. You got to deal with him today and he's like that every single day. And if you 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 know, we did the manager show with him and uh we're going to miss him a ton, but we're going to be rooting for Bob in San Diego. Hey, thank you for the time. I know it's been a busy day and we'll talk again soon. Always my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Jesse Agler from the San Diego Padres. You know, I'm going to miss him. Ken Korak's going to miss him. I mean, dealing with Bob was uh, was just golden. And, you know, I asked the question to Watrado about, you know, the uh, offseason move, and you can't say the CBA. I mean, in our world, who's the next manager of the A's? Who takes Bob's spot? Is the guy in-house? Or are they going to look at – are they going to go outside? And – Some of these moves are so stealth, you kind of got no idea. Like, you think it'd be easy to say, oh, it's going to be Mark Kotze. Oh, it's going to be Ryan Christensen. What if that guy is outside the organization and we've got no idea? And will it happen before December 1st? Do you go out and get a guy early or do you wait to see what happens with the CBA? There's a lot of questions to see how this thing is going to go down. And right now, you know, other than a statement from Billy Bean, you know, it's been pretty uh, stealthy for the A's front office.
1: Yeah, and, and uh, our friend Matt Kawahara from the, the Chronicle put out his list of candidates that they could look at, you know, uh, experienced and, you know, non-experienced managers. And, you know, he, he has Kotze and Ryan Christensen on there, obviously, he has the, in, you know, the in-house candidates and, um he has Joe Espada, who I mentioned last week, the Angel, the Astros bench coach. But he has Matt uh, colcharo on there, the who I told you is a really sought after guy, the Rays bench coach. He's forty seven. He's a guy that I mean, he's big in the. I mean, obviously, he's big in the analytics. He's the Rays bench coach, so he'll be someone. But the, some of the experience managers he on there, he has on there, Mike Schilt's a guy. I, I mean, I like Schilt, but I mean, if you're going to try to skew with the analytics, and you're probably going to go with one of the guys that are in-house or a, a Cotraro or a uh, Joe Espada. But- well, my,
3: my, my, Mike Schilt, word on the street, does not want to manage this year. He was kind of a guy the Padres were interested in, from what I'm hearing. And that Schilt's basically going to take a year off. So I don't think, unless my source is completely wrong, I, I don't I don't think he'll be a candidate.
1: Plus, he's not old either. He's like 53, so it's not like he's like... So, yeah, he could take a year off and come back. Like, I keep seeing Brad Osmus's name thrown out there. Ausmus has never won anything. I don't know why his name <laughs> gets thrown out there. I, I, I And I didn't ask
3: this. Is St. Saint, Saint Louis still paying Shield? Was he under contract for another year?
1: Oh, that's a good yeah. question now. Because
3: um, it's real easy to sit out when you're getting paid.
1: He agreed to a three-year contract extension. Um, what was this in 2019? So, yeah, he would have had another year. That was 2019, so 2021. Yeah, so he would have one more year left. So, yeah, he's, yeah, so, he's gonna. So, so,
3: what I heard is that, yeah, Schilt was a guy that San Diego was potentially interested in, but Schilt basically told them, Yeah, I'm not managing this year, I'm taking a year off.
1: Yeah, he would. And,
3: and if you're getting paid, you know, you kind of you might want to sit back and, and rejuvenate and then see there's always going to be jobs open. I mean, that's the thing. It's like you get hired to get fired in this business. That's why it's like, Hey, the run that Bob Melvin was on was pretty incredible because it was a long-term run. We don't see a lot of those anymore. I mean, these guys, I mean, you go in, in certain situations And if you're in a situation where the expectations are you got to win now, well, if you don't win now, you're going to be out. And then if you're a team that, let's say, you didn't have the expectations and you're losing, you become the guy that, ah, this is not the guy to lead us going forward. You're not given a lot of rope as a manager. Why? Because front offices think managers don't matter as much as they used to. That's why you're not going to see a run like Tommy Lasorda or Sparky Anderson or Earl Weaver. You're just not going to see that. And each front office is going to, you know, do I want a younger guy? Do I want a more experienced guy? I mean, let's face it. If Dusty doesn't win the World Series, there's there there's there's no guarantee he's back. Now, if he wins the World Series, I think he, you know, for sure. But even though he got to the World Series, if they don't win it, there's no guarantee he's going to be back.
1: No, not at all. And I'm looking at the managers in baseball right now, and you're and I'm trying to think of, like, some of the longer tenured managers. And you think of it. Obviously, you think of Tito Francona in Cleveland.
3: Yeah, but you, he really hasn't been around for two years.
1: Yeah. Uh, so Kevin Cash in, in Tampa. How uh, long has he been there? Cash took over in 2015, so this will be his, what, this will be what his seventh year? Uh, Craig Couch. I wonder what he's making. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if they ever put out manager salaries anywhere. Uh, Council's been with the Brewers for a good while now. Um, I think it might be around the same time as Cashy with the the, the Rays. And then you look at, like, Scott Service has been with the Mariners for a few years, you know, Aaron Boone with the Yankees. Uh, a lot of the other guys have been, you know, like, Dave Martinez is still relatively new at the Nationals. Obviously, Gabe Kapler. Like I'm just going through the list. Uh, Girardi's only in his second year, with the, going to a second year at the Phillies. Donnie Baseball's went to Marlins for a few years now. But, like, you know, the longest-tenured guy is probably Francona, then Kevin Cash. And that's it. I mean, it, it used to be Bob. Because remember, we saw this joke with Bob. You're the longest-tenured manager with one team. And he's like, no, it's Francona. We're like, no, Bob, it's you. No, it's you.
3: <laughs> he just switched teams. But, no, it's you. It's Francona. I, I mean. I haven't, I haven't looked up our old friend Tito Francona, but I mean, is he even going to be back next year?
1: He's supposed to be. He had a, like a foot surgery and I think hip surgery, and that's why he wasn't the back managing
3: problem. I mean, he's had a lot of health problems.
1: Yeah, he. i I'll see when I see when he took over Cleveland. I think it was 2012 or 13. He took over the Indians in 2013. Sorry, the Guardians. Although they might not be the Guardians next year, but because they're getting sued. But we we can get into that later. Um, Wait, what? Yeah. Uh, apparently there's a roller derby team in Cleveland called the Guardians, and they're like suing over the name change.
3: Oh, my God.
1: Yeah. So we'll see how that turns out. But, yeah, they, um, they're um, uh, they – so he's been there since 2013.
3: Are you serious? Yeah. I mean, you go through that whole thing. You talk about the search. You talk about getting rid of a uh, Chief Wahoo. You talk about the Indians – uh, when I was back in Cleveland, it didn't seem like a very popular move. Um, there are people that weren't into it. And I actually stopped and, uh, you know, I was with Ray Fossey at the time and and talked to a couple people and, and they were not, you know, they were not down. And now you finally bite the bullet, and you make the change and a lawsuit is going. Well, I wonder if that's going to be. if It's a roller derby team. I wonder if that's just a. We're going to write a check, and because you've made a big decision, you probably you probably you probably already started like the orders in for all the gear and how you're going to have the change and maybe the roller derby team looks at as they're going to. Ca- I mean, I I got to think that the 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 war chest for a major major lawsuit between. The Guardians of a Major League Baseball team and the Guardians of a roller hockey team are, uh, two, are at two different levels.
1: Yeah, it's just, I have the details. It's all in the, uh, it was I haven't been buying or selling, but essentially, um, where is it? at the, ro- the roller derby team offered to sell the rights to the Guardians' name to the baseball team. The Indians offered to pay a nominal amount that the roller derby rejected, the lawsuit said. So
3: Yeah, so they've already offered, this is just about money. I So at first I'm like, what? But now, I mean, the more I think about it, this is just trying to be a cash grab. And at some point you write a check and it goes away. Coming up next, our good buddy Bip Roberts. How's he feeling about all of this? We'll find out next right here on A's Cast Live.
0: A's Cast Live continues from the East Bay. Here's Chris Townsend.
3: And the former All-Star, the kid from Oakland. And you see him on A's pre- and post-game live on NBC Sports California. Bip Roberts is with us here on A's Cast Live. Bipster, how are you?
7: Hey, man. Let me tell you a quick story, man. I'm good. I went to the store to get me a sandwich. I got all the way to the store, and you know what happened? I forgot my mask and had to come all the way home to get a mask just to go back to get a sandwich. So I'm good, but I'm getting old, and I'm starting to forget things, and I don't like that too much.
3: No, no, I, 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 <laughs> I did the same thing. So, so we got this Halloween costume for for my daughter, and it's uh, Valley Fair, the big shopping mall here in the South Bay. And right, mm-hmm. we we're picking it up on Saturday. We we got to park at the, we we had to park so far away because it was so busy, and finally get up to the front door. My daughter goes, "Where's your mask?" I go, "Oh my god, I left it in the car." <laughs> I'm like, "I gotta walk all the way back." Oh my god, you're
7: kidding me! <laughs> all right, man. So I'm good, man, but I'm just forgetting things that you know. When I need it, it's not there. And then I have to go all the way, double back, and come back again. So I understand, man. It's just, you know, when I turned 58 uh, October 27th. So I'm like, okay, I am 58 in the mind now. So, yeah, that's where I'm at, buddy.
3: So, Bip, as you know, as a player, there's always going to be movement. I know for us fans, you know, we, we get so shocked by it. But as a former player, are you shocked about movement, especially when you hear about something like Bob Melvin?
7: I'm always shocked. It, it doesn't matter if you're a player or if you're playing active or retired. When you hear about movement, especially a guy like Bob Melvin, it does shock you because you know he's at, he, had a, he has a contract. He's going to be back next year, right? But in this game, you know, people talk, and they talk behind the scenes, and they're talking about what they can do to help their club, and then clubs look at other clubs and say, hey, you know, that guy can help me. And next thing you know, they make a phone call and they don't think they're going to get this guy, but they make the phone call because that's the guy they know could help them. So they're going to make the call. And when the other team, the other side says, you know what? Yeah, let's let him go down and talk to him. Then you're thinking, oh, my goodness, we can actually get this guy up under our roof. Once we get him up under our roof, let's make it a point to have him not leave here without signing with us. And I think San Diego got a great bargain. They got a great guy to lead the ship. They got everything you could want from a manager. And they were not gonna let him go without offering him something to keep him there. And I just believe that once he got down to San Diego and he saw how nice it was, the new ballpark, the team that he's gonna manage, there was no way he wanted to leave there without signing that contract.
3: I I, I'm just surprised. And, uh, and are you, are you surprised that there was no compensation for him?
7: I, I, I am. I, I really am. I'm, that part was something that was a little confusing to me because you think that, you know, we've heard it in football. John Gruden goes to Tampa Bay. The Raiders got so many draft choices in return. In this case, you would think that because Bob Bell was under contract and he is a great manager, a great leader of the ship that, you would ask for something in compensation and that didn't happen. So, you know, as a fan sitting on the outside, it starts to make you think that, you know, hopefully this is not the fire sale, the beginning of the fire sale. You hope that we don't keep hearing names as we move on in the future.
3: Well, you know, Bip, you know, Cody really brought it up and and it was a great point about how old, The A's roster really is. It's made up of a lot of 30-year-olds. They're one of the oldest rosters in Major League Baseball. Their hitters are the second oldest in baseball. Their pitchers are tied for the oldest in baseball. So, as you know, as this game is trying to get younger, I, I, I don't know if you call it a rebuild or you call it retooling where you want to get younger rather than adding to an old team.
1: Well,
7: I think you have a you have to have a mixture of veteran guys and then you have to have a mixture of guys who are right there in the middle and then you have to have some young guys coming up. But you just can't gut the entire team to have a young team unless you know that there's some players out there in other organizations who are just a step away but are actually ready to play in the major leagues. And that's where scouting comes in, where you have to have guys who've all year long been sitting on certain guys that they know can play in the big leagues. And that's always a risk because every level that you go watch a guy play on, unless it's the big league level is a gamble. Yeah. Triple A is right up under the big leagues, but it's still a big step. We've all learned that as players. Yeah. We come from triple A and we've had great years, but the big league is where the best of the best play and you have to be ready for that. So I think it's now going to come down to a matter of, you know, are there some guys who, you know, can't come right in and play can come right in and be starters in a lineup, can come right in and be front-arm, you know, front-line arm guys. Can you find these guys if you're going to replace some of the guys who have a history of being major league players? And we always say it takes three years to really be a major league player. So if you're going to bring a young guy in here, you have to know that he's going to be able to withstand the three years that he's going to be learning the ups and the downs and figure out exactly who he is in the big league. And then you talk about, you know, the middle guy. That middle guy has got to be the guy that's going to be carrying it right now. You know, he's in his fourth and fifth year, maybe almost his sixth year to where he's almost a a free agent. He's that guy that you're really building your team around. That's the core. The older guys are there for the experience. You know you're not going to get what you got in the past, but you know you're going to get something close. So you have to have a mixture of all of these guys because the young guy has to learn from the older guy. And the middle guy, it has to be the guy that pulls that team. So I'm, I'm just thinking if you're going to make some of these guys, if you're going to trade some of these guys, you're going to move some of these guys, your scouting department, that's going to be key into who you bring here to replace those guys.
3: And how important is it this offseason for the A's for next year to go out and find velocity, whether it's starters, but especially relievers? Because you didn't see a whole heck of a lot of it last year in the bullpen. How important is that?
7: Yeah, that's going to be important because you know how the the game of pitching has changed. You know, guys, they go five innings and they they come out. That's a quality start. And, you know, in our day, we we laugh at that, right? But now that's just the way it is. And then from there, you got to have an A bullpen and a B bullpen. And that A bullpen, you got to have guys who can bring it. You got electric stuff. And, They have to be guys that they can go to 6th to 7th, 8th in a night. Maybe a guy could go 2-in. I just think that with velocity, you know, it's tough for guys to catch up with velocity. We see that. We're seeing that right now in the playoffs. We're seeing guys with good fastballs, above-average fastballs, and above-average sliders. And they're really shutting down the opposition. Then you bring in a guy who doesn't have the velocity, and then you see the offenses pick up. And so, yeah, you're right. You've got to find some guys with velocity. Because they're the type of guy that can have a hitter miss the barrel of the bat. And that's what you need. You need guys who miss the barrel of the bat. When your velocity is not as good, that's when you hear the Coliseum light up. And it's loud because when you hit the barrel of a bat, it makes a lot of noise. So you have to find some guys who have above average fastballs, above average breaking balls, and can get the hitters out. And I think that's something we need in Oakland.
3: I have no idea what we're seeing in the playoffs and and the world series with pitching Bip. I mean, I mean, seriously, (laughs) it's just, it's mind blowing and I'm hoping that it's just an effect of last year and the 60 game schedule and just it it affected pitchers. I I just, I I can't imagine it's good for the game, having all these relievers, having all these relievers start games uh, for the flow of the game the the amount of time it takes for the game i'm just hoping that this is just going to be an anomaly this year and we can go back to uh how it used to be or not even how it used to be but just more getting more out of your starters and having more of a rhythm to the game next year
7: yeah 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 i'd like to see that too i'd like to see starters go 6 7 in it. and then you bring your relievers in to finish the ball game if needed if a guy can if he still has his pitch count at at a at a number to where it's not gonna hurt him as the season progresses, let him finish out a game. That protects your bullpen as well. I just, you know, I'm like you, I I watched the game the other night and after the grand slam, it seemed like the game just slowed down. By the third inning, it was already two and a half hours into the game. I'm thinking, what inning are we in? Oh, it's the bottom of the third. Wow. (laughs) You know, I literally was able to take a nap, basically wake up and just be in the fourth inning. So it is one of those things where, Pitching is just one of the key things when it comes to moving the game forward. You throw strikes, you make guys put the ball in play, the game speeds up. But when you have guys coming in there and all of a sudden now they don't have the location and a ball falls in and next thing you know, you got a guy coming out to take him out. And then after that, you bring in another guy and then you bring in another guy and you bring in another guy. And then all of a sudden now you wonder why your bullpen is tired. You know, you watch that Dodgers series when they had Scherzer pitch four times in 12 days, and they expected him to be with Scherzer. (laughs) So it's just crazy how pitching, how important it is, but how it's used. is so different how it used to be in the past. But if they could get back to the past, it would be easier on the starter, and it would be easier on the bullpen. So I I think it's just a matter of longevity. Your starters have to take the long haul. It's like on a cutoff. When when you go out on on a cutoff, and the outfielder has to make the long throw to the infielder because the outfielder's arm is better than the infielder. That's kind of how it has to be with the starter. They've got to go as long as they can, and then you give the ball to the relievers. But if you're only going five innings, County, we're going to see eight, nine relievers every night, and the game will be over four hours.
3: Yeah, we were honoring my best friend the other night who went into the uh, San Jose State Hall of Fame. We were, we, were, uh, we were having a party for him. But so I was like, you know, I had one eye on the game and one eye on the party. And at one point I look over on Saturday night, I go, we're only in the seventh inning?
7: <laughs> right.
3: Like the game started, it was light out. And next thing you know, and Cody has this on our playbook today about when games are ending on the East Coast. It's just, I can't even imagine, you know, for these kids where, you know, you you got to stay up to almost midnight just to see, hopefully, see the end of the game.
7: Yeah. I would like to go back to when we were kids. And I know people always say, hey, we had the best time. Our, our, our generation is the best and it's that. But I think that when you have the playoffs and World Series, you have to have day games. I, I think it's just. The, it's different from the regular season. So why not? Yeah, I understand TV, revenue, and all that other stuff. But as you just said, if I'm a kid and I want to watch the World Series, you know, I used to go to bed at like 9 o'clock. So I would have seen the World Series, because I would have been asleep. Now, Turn the TV off, Tom, you guys go to bed, you got to get up for school tomorrow. Wouldn't have been able to see the game. But because it came on at 1 o'clock, he was able to get home from school. And even then, schools will show the game for you. Hey, you guys, finish your work. We're going to turn the game on. let you watch the game. That was a reward for doing your work. But now, like you said, 12 o'clock, 1230, there's no way in the world as a kid I would be able to watch the World Series. So I would like to see them go back to the format because it is a special time of baseball, going back to a special time. Start the game at one o'clock. Allow kids to see and watch the game in in that certain city because now you're building your fan base. They get a chance to watch the game during the daytime. So, yeah, I mean, it's just too late to be up watching a baseball game. And if it's moving slow, you know what's going to happen. You're going to fall asleep anyway.
3: Yeah, no no doubt about it. I mean, you want to grow your game, so you want all these really young kids to be able to see the greatness that is the World Series and how special it is. By the way, how would you prepare if you were in a World Series and you literally knew that the first guy coming out, pitcher, is going to be a reliever? And he's going <laughs> to pitch one inning. And you you have no idea how many different guys you're going to face uh, during that game. How would you prepare for that?
7: You know, that is tough counting. Because, you know, you're, you're used to seeing a guy who you faced starting a game. And you've done your scouting report on him. You watched a video on him. And you know what you're going to get. You're going to get four-pitch pitcher. He's going to be basic fastball, curveball, slider change. And you know exactly what his pitchers are going to do. But so when you're facing a reliever who basically is a two-pitch pitcher, He's going to come out there and throw as hard as he can for as long as he can. And you don't know what you're going to get from a reliever. That's the scary part about it. He's either going to be on or he's going to be off. You're hoping that he's going to be off as a hitter because now he's going to make a lot of mistakes. And I would do, what I would do is sit on his fastball. I would sit fastball and then look breaking ball. I'd take him back to the old school way of hitting, see ball and hit ball. I wouldn't think that, you know, I would I would also understand what his best pitch is because he's probably going to throw that more than he's going to throw the other pitches. So as a reliever, I'm not understanding why these guys can't sit and react to what they see. You know, he may not be on that day, so you got to take advantage of that. You got to see pitches. You got to make him throw. You got to you got to get him to the point where everyone else on the bench has a scouting report on what this guy can and cannot do. And you have to do that basically with each and every one of these guys. But the problem is, is when you continue to push the button and you keep bringing guys in, somebody along the line is going to come in there and have a flat tire. And that's the guy you're hoping comes into the game.
3: That is something that I've been talking about and I've been preaching. I'm like, okay, everybody wants to talk about how this is the new way to do it. But you're asking way too many guys to be perfect mm-hmm. on any given night and it only takes one guy to screw it up
7: absolutely absolutely so yeah you may be getting away with it right now but at some point in time as we've seen in these playoffs and world series there is a guy that comes in and he does have a flat tire It doesn't matter it happens on every team it happens on every level it happens with the lead team it happens with the teams that are not as good but at some point in time That guy is going to come into the ballgame. He's not going to have his good stuff. You're going to find yourself down. And then you're going to wonder why you brought that guy in. But that was the plan. And sometimes the plan doesn't go as you want it to go.
3: You know, we've seen older managers have success. Obviously, Dusty Baker in the World Series now. uh, Tony La Russa getting into the playoffs. And I just wonder, do you think that will play for Ron Washington?
7: Uh, I think Ronnie, Ronnie's going to be an old school guy. I think he wants to, he's going to want his starters to go as long as he can. He's going to have a set lineup. He's going to believe in his players. He's going to be encouraging. He's going to be one of those guys that can actually teach as they go along. I think that what you see with Dusty, he's the same type of guy. Whether they win or they lose, he's going to be the same. He's going to encourage them. If they get beat like they did in a series against Boston, where Boston just had over twenty hits after the game he says, That was just one game. We got another ball game tomorrow, guys. Don't worry about it. You know, and these are the type of guys who stand in front and they take the the, the bullet the bullets for the team. You know, Dusty's done a great job of that with with the Astros where everyone wants to talk about the cheating, but Dusty stands there and he answers the tough questions, but he also defends his guys. And I think that with Wash, Wash is the same type of guy. He's a, he's a stand-for-no-nonsense type of guy. He's trustworthy. He's going to be there for you through the good times and the bad times. I remember playing with Wash when I was in Oakland, and I enjoyed Wash. I wish I had played with Wash earlier in my career. He could have made me a much better player. As I watch his team play right now, he's made that infield outstanding. Everyone in that infield has hands. They got great hands, great movement. And so I just know that these guys are teachers. And when you have a guy on your team who's been through it before and can teach you, you have all ears open. And that's what you want in the clubhouse for. Everyone to hear what's being said and then to go out on that field and find a way to get it done.
3: Yeah. People don't think about it because, you know, you, you, you think about the great pitching coaches or a great hitting coach. Man, you can make – I mean, defense is one of the biggest parts of the game. If you don't have good defense, you're not going to win. And it's amazing what a teacher he is. He makes oh. all the – it doesn't matter the position. He makes all the infielders better.
7: Yeah. I mean, we saw that. We saw that with Marcus Simeon. We saw that here. He said, hey, let me have Marcus and watch what happens. And Marcus had over 40 errors a year before. And then all of a sudden he started working with Wash and he just started getting better and better and better. And look at him now. I mean, wow, man. <laughs> it's just amazing to see it happen. And then you know because now everyone is trying to do the wash wash drill. They trying to do everything that Wash does. But his team every day, they all come out at different times to get with Wash to make sure that they're doing the right things and watch teaches them and he teaches them and he teaches them and then he lets them go. And I tell you, it's just as a big leaguer, you want to always get better. You want to always learn things that you didn't understand and watch is that type of guy that when he's talking defense, he's making it seem simple, but in actuality, it's, 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 it's easier said than done, but his drills, they make it easier said than done. So, when they get on the field, every play that they make, you can see what they've been working on, and then they make it look easy. That's ice out there on the field.
3: Well, I got to tell you, for someone like Marcus and for guys like him, guys that were free agents last year, guys who are going to free agency this year, I mean, if you wanted to pick two of the worst years, obviously, there was the strike year that we lived through in the 90s, but... I mean, these two years have been two of the most brutal, wouldn't you say, ever for free agents?
7: Yeah, I mean, you know, there's some guys who they're going to get paid no matter what. But then there's other guys who, because of the way the game is, the COVID, and, and then you come back, and and then you're not having as good of a year as you possibly could because, you know, baseball is a game of repetition. The more you can play in one season, the better you'll be the next season. And I think guys just had, you know, their growth kind of stunted. You know where man we're going to play we're not going to play you know we're going to play we're not going to play and then this is the rules we're going to play by and this is how we have to go play and now we can't can't get to the park at this time we can't do this we can't do that so there's so too many restrictions that held these guys back and i i just think you know maybe next year it, it'll be as free as it used to be where you can get to the ballpark at a certain time and you can get your work in and not worry about having protocols that you have to follow and be stringent in certain things that you can do and you can't do. You know, when you get to the ballpark, you only want to have one thing on your mind, and that's finding a way to get better that day and not all the other things that are surrounding the game. So let's hope that happens. Let's hope that everybody continues to follow the rules, and somehow, in some way, we get to put this COVID thing behind us.
3: So what is this new show you got going that I'm hearing about?
7: Man, I got this podcast now, man. It's called Blips Bips, Clips. Bips, Blips. And it's just to highlight what happens on the field and off the field. And right now I'm just speaking on the, the World Series as we get to the closing of it. And I do a, a little podcast, it's on the mic, it's called Mic Up and it's on the Apple app, and Apple store. So you can go in there and you can download it for free. And then we just have a, a, a situation where people can send me messages, they can send questions, You know, we can talk back and forth with the fans. And it's kind of just sitting on the couch shooting shooting, you know what and just uh enjoying baseball and talking baseball doing the things that i like to do and it's about i go between 30 and 45 minutes and 45 minutes goes so fast Tony. it's amazing how quick time goes by when you have a fun.
3: no doubt about it are you still doing the real estate
7: yeah 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 i'm doing the real estate man i came up on some stuff man where i'm finding these houses out there that when you start talking about the prices in the bay area i'm finding them almost at half of that price for certain reasons only i can tell you that if you call me and uh i can make some good deals for you right now so i'm always trying to find little ways to make things better for people out there who are struggling financially and so i found some ways to find these houses that you know instead of them being 900 800 i could find it for three three hundred four hundred thousand so yeah they got to call me though and i'll talk to them about it
3: well, don't tease me. What's the number of where I can get this house?
7: <laughs> call me at 925-548-3918. And if I don't answer, leave me a message and I'll call you back because there's a lot of scams out there. And uh, a lot of times I don't know your number, and it might say scam on my phone. But leave a message and I'll call you right back.
3: All right, Bibster, be well and we'll be calling you.
7: All right, you too, my brother. You take care.
3: The great Bip Roberts, one of my favorites growing up. I loved watching him play. Switch hitter, smaller guy, could fly like the wind. Always loved me some Bip Roberts back in the day. Look at that. Bip, Bip you know, not only with the TV that he does for NBC Sports California, look at him expanding what what you would call his, prof- his portfolio. How about that?
1: Building his brand. Also, Expand-
3: building. we're building a
1: bully. He's yeah, he's he's uh, expanding his brand. You guys were talking about um, v- uh, velocity, and I was tracking that earlier this year. So I went back and pulled it up, and uh, we we didn't really go over this towards the end of the year. Where do you think the ace finished? This is the relievers. Where oh. f- what do you think we finished? An average. Uh, this is average. This this is overall, not just fastballs. This is overall velocity out of the bullpen. Where do you think we finished?
3: One through thirty. Yeah. Okay, one is the best and thirty is, is the, the worst. The
1: slowest, yes.
3: Okay. Cause you know, sometimes that's flipped.
1: Yeah, not here.
3: Like you want to be thirtieth in airs, not number one in airs.
1: Yeah, you you wanna be you wanna be first in velocity here, not thirtieth.
3: We're thirtieth. No. There can't be someone who threw the ball slower than we did.
1: The way that they have this measured, there's a team that we're tied with a team. We're considered 29th. The Giants.
3: Okay, no, so what? The Giants?
1: According to average pitch velocity, if you're looking at overall pitches, not just fastballs, we and the Giants average around 87.8 miles per hour from our bullpen.
3: I don't watch a ton of Giants, so I couldn't tell you.
1: It's correct. I mean, Tyler Rogers throws submarine, and he doesn't throw very hard. So he's like Sergio Romo.
3: We only had one. We had two guys that were around 95. And one guy you don't even know where it's going. That's Jake Deekman and the other's Lou Trevino. Okay. Other than that, we didn't have we we didn't have anybody.
1: AJ Puckling is here, but he's also a guy. You don't know where it's going. Okay. Wait, so, how
3: many games are he playing?
1: Not not yeah. many. All right, here you go. And what do you think where do you think we ranked on average pitch velocity among our relievers for fastballs? Now that's four seam, two seam sinkers, cutters. Where do you think we ranked?
3: Same thing. We're either 29th or 30th.
1: 29th. I had just slightly ahead of the Giants and just slightly behind uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks at 92.8 miles an hour.
3: All right. Who's number one and what are they throwing?
1: Uh, the number one would be the Chicago White Sox um, with Garrett Crochet, Liam, Jose Ruiz, uh, all those guys, Uh Kimbrel Kimberly came. Uh, all the guys they've they're throwing out of there. Kopech, uh, ninety six point one is what they're throwing. This is their fastballs. Yeah. Um, the number one overall when it comes to overall velocity is the White Sox as well at ninety one point five.
3: How many of the playoff teams are in the top ten?
1: Uh, for fastballs, Let's see White Sox, Yankees, Red Sox, Cardinals, Dodgers, Braves. Rays, that's that's out of 12. I did out of 12.
3: So, 7 out of 12? Yeah.
1: yeah. Astros I mean, that's, all,
3: that, that, that's all you need to know, velocity plays.
1: Astros were 15th. So, I mean, like, oh. if, you, if you go way down the list, the Giants were 30th. You, you know, the A's were 29th. The, the Brewers were 26th. I mean, they got Hader and Devin Williams, but a lot of their guys don't throw hard. It's their starters that throw hard.
3: Well, Williams is throwing a bunch of changeups too. Oh, he
1: is the he is a devastating changeup.
3: Yeah, so I mean, you're not gonna velocity is not the thing you're worried about with him.
1: And then I did I did our starter. I did starters too. I did starters, um, I did fastballs for starters. Um, where do you think the A's rank? We're actually, I'll give it to you, we're actually middle of the pack when it comes to fastball velocity for starters. 92.7, the number one – number one surprised, surprised me. The number one th- hardest-throwing team when it comes to fastballs among starting pitchers in baseball, the Miami Marlins, followed closely by the Milwaukee Brewers.
3: I I just know that there's got to be a lot of change with the roster for the A's. And the bullpen is that the bullpen is one of the things that has to be dramatically changed. No question. And how you do it. I don't know. But, but I mean, this is no secret, right? All right. Coming up next, we're heading to Houston to talk to one of the best baseball columnists in the country. He's at the world series, Bob Nightingale from the USA today right here on A's Cast Live.
0: Streaming from the East Bay, AceCast live continues with Chris Townsend.
3: That is right. As a day off from the World Series tomorrow, game six, and then hopefully get a game seven. You know why I'm rooting for a game seven, Commander,
1: on your birthday? Um, Actually, I don't, because I figured you wanted Atlanta to win already, but just to get a game seven,
3: to get the ratings up, get um, some interest.
1: You know, I, I'll take a second to admit that I was wrong. Um, I don't do this very often, but. I'll admit, No, that
3: is true, uh, especially on your
1: birthday. I'll admit that I was wrong. I said Astros in five, and, well, here we are game six, and they're not done yet, but uh, I said five games, and I, I thought—I honestly thought when Duvall hit that grand slam last night in the first inning, I'm like, oh, my, they're done. And then they scrapped back, and they came back to win. They, their offense is just so hot and cold in this World Series. It's I don't I don't understand it, but uh, I guess they go as Altuve goes, the second greatest home run hitter in the history of the postseason.
3: I, I mentioned that party I was at Saturday. People were like, oh my god! I'm like, B- big deal, but also not as big a deal as you think. He's played in a boatload of postseason games. Wait, I mean, these guys are playing round after round after round. They've been in the playoffs what six out of seven years. He's played in a lot. I mean, it's a, it's a great accomplishment. I'm I'm not trying to completely downplay it, but you can't compare it to the people that didn't get to play in those amount of games because there wasn't a wild card and there wasn't a, a, the uh, NL or ALDS. And some guys just got to play in the World Series. So Altuve's played in a boatload of games. Yes, it's it's. it's He's a great player. I've already said I think he's going to be a baseball Hall of Famer despite the cheating scandal. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's he's gotten to play more than most, than most have in the history of the postseason. Speaking of the World Series, we head to the World Series to talk to our buddy, Bob Nightingale. Well, he's one of the top columnists in all of baseball, and he's been one of my favorites, if not my favorite, for so many years the great bob nightingale from the usa today down in the world series getting ready for game 6 between the astros and the bravos uh we'll talk about the world series but bob i got i, I got a box a kleenex next to me as i've been crying as i lost my manager to the san diego padres i can't i can't stop weeping
2: don't blame you you know i was talking to dusty baker talked to dr talk to Russo. Uh, about an hour ago. And Tony goes, there's nobody better. Nobody better in the game. And that's the same thing. I could be happier for him. So got a, uh, you know, hopefully now in San Diego, he's got uh, pieces to work with. And uh, people will realize nationally just what a great manager this guy is.
3: You know, you talk about a communicator. You talk about a guy who all the players believe in. They trust. He's never, ever lost his clubhouse. The rumors are in San Diego. That was kind of the problem last year, especially down the stretch. And I think that AJ Preller, realizing, you know, this is going to be his last hire if if he doesn't get it right, that he needed somebody that can control the room. As we like to say, Bob, the adult in the room, and he got the perfect guy.
2: He really did. You know, I I think, you know, I mean, I congratulate the owners, uh, you know, that night. It's, oh man, you got the guy, you know, perfect guy. And, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, you know, the the Mets should have jumped on and got him, he would have gone there. And I think the situation, you know, where the A's say, you know what, we're not gonna win. We're gonna uh probably, you know, strip this thing down even more. You know, so good good for the A's to let him go and not keep him when they weren't gonna, you know, when they probably didn't want to uh, you know, keep him a year from now anyway. You will remember now, I mean there was some kind of it was his contract was a little bit strange, like they picked up his option but then he had to pick it up to get more money out of it. So it was just kind of a, uh, a strange deal for the last few years. If you know, and for a guy like this, let him, let him have a chance to win.
3: You know, what's so interesting about our ball club is, is for some reason, people in baseball think we're this, we're the A's and we're this young team. And that this is going to be, they're going to get rid of all these players. And it's a total rebuild. But the reality is Bob, we're one of the oldest teams in baseball. I mean, our average position player is over 30. Our average pitcher is over 30. So it's not like we're dealing with a lot of young guys here and we're dealing with a sport that, you know, front office people are not hip to having guys in their thirties, especially as they go into their mid thirties.
2: No, they're not. I mean, they want to, uh, everyone's young teams. And, uh, it's almost like, you know, it's almost like last year when, uh, I mean, obviously it was a, uh, you know, came back to Hon a big time. You let Marcus Seaman go, you know, you don't try to bring him back at all when he's begging to stay, you know, when, uh, you know, you know, you finally had a leave. You didn't want to go to Toronto. We want to stay put. And then, uh, you know, they're, they're, uh, hanging around there and stuff like that. Then they go for it by, you know, trading for, uh, Marte. Then when you don't make the playoffs, then it's like, uh-oh, you know, you, you just made the trade for nothing, gave away another nice young pitcher, uh, you know, it's time, it's time to rebuild. I'd be very surprised if we don't see a, uh, you know, A's go you know, shopping, you know, Olsen and Chapman and, and whoever else all the way along.
3: Do you see this as potentially the end of the Billy Bean era and it now gets turned completely over to David Forrest and Forrest picks his manager and away they go?
2: Well, to be honest, because I think it's been that like, way for a while. I mean, that, you know, I thought those reports were laughable, you know, that Billy B was going to New York. It's like, wait a minute now, you know, I mean, you know, hey, Billy's uh, deserved to ride out in the sunset. But, you know, he's not, you know, putting in, a, you know, the hours in like a David Force. When people call for trades, they're calling David Forrest. Billy does a lot of speaking engagements involving uh, soccer, a lot like that. You know, make $8 million a year. It's like you're going to leave that lifestyle. And go live in a you know midtown apartment in Manhattan and have to wear a suit and tie every day to work. You're not gonna do that. So, uh, so to say the Billy Re- Bean regime is over, I think already you know, force is doing that kind of stuff. So I mean obviously Billy's still you know involved in things like that, but not on a day-to-day basis. I don't think that's happened for quite a number of years.
3: You know what's so interesting when we, you know, because I also do the David Force show, and we talk to him every single week, and I've, you know, known Bean for, God, you know, close to or even probably more than 30 years. They've always talked about we don't rebuild. Could you possibly see where, yeah, they're going to have some tough options with certain guys, but they're still going to do things where can they get younger and still compete in the West?
2: Well, you probably can. I mean, you know, we'll see what happens in Houston. They're going to lose Carlos Correa. uh, You know, but they do have you know lose uh, Granke. but they have Berliner come off their books too. So we'll see. I mean, you got to keep an eye on Seattle to see what they're up to. Texas is uh, you know still rebuilding. Uh, Be interesting, but you can do it. You know, if you do it smart, I think Milwaukee does a great job with that. kind of watching their payroll, by, you know they're still winning at the same time um you know obviously uh, tampa turns it over year after year but i think there's a way to do it to do it smart where you're uh winning at least staying competitive at the same
3: time getting to the world series i mean at, at times it's been so tough to watch because one of the things we always loved about the world series were guys gave you great starts it was tremendous theater but relievers starting games relievers in and out of the pen constantly no one can really go deep in games it really hurts the rhythm of the game how have you felt about this world series so far
2: well it's just shame i mean guys are gassed i mean uh just on the you know zoom call with the uh, brian snicker and just guys aren't the same right now but yeah i mean it's a lot of uh Pitching staffs are being up. I and mean, look at the Dodgers. They had a tournament in our payroll. They were down to three starters. I mean, here's uh, Atlanta leading three games of two. They're they got two starters. You know, they go both going six and seven. You know, good for them. And uh, Max Fried and Ian Anderson. You know, they got down to two guys. Uh, you know, first World Series team ever to start three rookies in a series. You know, the Astros three young guys. So we're seeing over and over, I mean, I can't, you know, I can't even remember we're seeing, you know, oh, you know, there's more bullpen games starting the postseason than, than regular season, than regular starters. Do you,
3: do, do you think this is just an aberration has a lot to do with what we did with COVID and the 60 game season last year in 2020, or do you think this is, this is going to be the norm going forward?
2: Well, I don't think that it'll be the norm. I think you're going to stop it, Chris. I remember, uh, Talking Theo so Epstein uh, this summer, you know, at some point in here, I think they're going to say, you know, it's next year, 13-man pitching staff maximum. Year after that, 12-man pitching staff. Maybe even go back to 11 at some point. And at some point, you've got to have these kids in my league start to throw. You know, don't just uh, pull you out after three or four innings. Uh, you know, I remember talking to John Smoltz a couple years ago, and he says, what's the most unbreakable record in baseball, you think? I said, I don't know. Cy Young's victories, you know, nope. Uh, you know, how about the uh, Cal Ripken string? Nope. He goes, Greg Maddox. I think he threw twenty-five complete games in his minor league career. They'll never ever be touched, and he's right. <laughs> you know, no, we're, we're not we're not training these kids to throw along. and they and they got you. Uh, that's what the problem was.
3: Well, I I I when I think of home field advantage, I I, I don't really see it anymore. Uh, really, in all sports, I just don't think home field advantage means as much as it used to be. Uh, when, when you think about these next two games, who do you think is going to win this World Series?
2: You know, I'll stick with Atlanta. My heart tells me, I mean, my heart's with the uh, Astros with Dusty Baker. But I picked Atlanta before this season started and uh, stay with them. I, mean, I really did believe they were going to beat L.A. I was a, uh, not going to say it was a down on my mind, but I really thought they were a better team. And I think Atlanta's, you know, if they had Charlie Moore, you know, starting back, he would start last night. I think the series would have been over already, but I'll, I'll go Atlanta. They're sneaky. Good. And, you know, you know, you get to watch, uh, you know, chatting all the time, take a good look at this Austin Riley kid. He can play the, he can play defense and he can hit.
3: Yeah. There's no doubt about it. I mean, there's something, you know, magical about how they turned it around and trades they made and remaking the outfield and, You know, there's something, Bob, about when you got that it factor. You just don't know how you're going to get it. But once you get it, you hold on to it and you ride it. And I think, wouldn't you say, that's what we've been seeing with the Atlanta Braves. They have the it factor.
2: Yeah. And here's a team kind of rebuilt at the same time. And uh, look at them now, four straight division titles, Uh, you know, going great guns, a lot of young players. There's no reason in the world, you know, the Astros can't do something like that, or they can't do something similar, like we talked about something similar like the Brewers have done. So you don't have to go completely rock bottom. I mean you don't have to do what the Astros did, you know, losing uh, you know 110 games a year or what the Orioles are doing now. You can still be you can still be competitive. I'm not saying you're gonna be the favorite train like that. But strange things happen in the postseason. You know, I guess I give uh, Alex and a ton of credit. I mean that team was six games out of first place in June. They weren't you know over five hundred until August. They decided to go for it. Because you said, hey, anything can happen in the playoffs, and and we're seeing it.
3: A lot of people are predicting a very, very dark winter. And, like, you know, could Bob Melvin be the only signing out there until we see a new CBA? And just what do you think from the time that we have the final out-to-the-world series to New Year's Day? Do you think we'll have? Do you think we'll have a CBA? Do you think we won't have a CBA? Will there be any signings before we turn the calendar and go to 2022?
2: Now I'm in the minority in this, Chris, but I think we will have a CBA. I really do. Uh, I think it would be a death sentence for baseball. I know it's been said before, but if there's a, uh, I don't care if you're missing one game of spring training, I think the fans will be infuriated. And right now, this is the lowest rated uh, World Series of all time. You know, usually Fox puts out these statements each day in your emails. Hey, the highest is this, this, that. It's the worst. You know, I mean, discount last year. Does, you know, with the COVID doesn't count. But uh, people aren't watching baseball, and people are going to go ballistic if we see work stoppage. Uh, you know, I don't think they'll affect the regular season. But even spring training, people love their spring training baseball. I'm in mean, Arizona people run and watch a Dimebacks in a spring training game than Dimebacks in a regular season game. You know, that's how popular spring training is. Uh, anyway, so I don't I don't see it happening. I just think, hey, the players lost two-thirds of their salary a year ago. The owners lost $3 billion. Uh, the owners, according to Manfred, still lost some money th- this year. And uh, I just think there's way too much to lose. I don't think the public, public could stomach it. They really don't.
3: I'm so glad you said that because I've been feeling the same way. It's like with all the money that's been lost and with the majority of our really good players, they all have contract extensions. They want to make as much money as they possibly can and recoup what they lost last year. I mean, just thinking about good business, it would just be stupid to piss the fan base off and have a shortened season again and be fighting all the way through February and spring training. It would just be like, guys, I mean, look, look what it did to hockey years ago.
2: Yeah. I mean, you're talking about a uh, 20 of the 30 teams this year lost. Uh, I mean, had a, uh, a tennis drop and that's what, you know, when the stadiums came off fully open in, like in late June, the only two teams uh, that got an increase in tennis the San Diego Padres and the uh, Chicago White Sox. And that's it. And that's scary for baseball. So you're right. I mean, uh, I, I can't see the uh, owner's, Want to shut the doors, but, you know, if you have a uh, lockout, hey, good luck trying to sell season tickets so you're going to have a bigger loss anyway because, you know, people don't make their money uh, selling tickets game by game. It's by season tickets and just, you know, if this thing is hanging over them all winter long, you know, I don't care if you, uh, you know, start up in in spring training. It'll be too late to get those tickets sold for uh, 2022.
3: Well, great stuff as always. Enjoy the rest of the off season and we'll be calling soon. And we always appreciate your time because we know you're busy down in Houston. All right.
2: My pleasure, Chris. My pleasure.
3: Yeah, he is. uh, He is fantastic. And I love the answer. Because everybody's got this doom and gloom. But when you come back to reality. They've lost so much money already. Like, how much do you want to continue to lose? Both sides. I mean, haven't you lost enough? How nice would it be to watch Rob Manfred and Tony Clark get up on a stage, say, we've come to an agreement, let the offseason begin. Now, I know it's not going to happen right away, but it really would be good for the sport. No leaking, no doom and gloom. Because I don't know if anybody is going to really accept us really hardcore baseball people. I got a feeling everybody's going to go, ah, I'll just watch football, basketball, and move on. I hate to say it, but I think that's what happens. I mean, if, if you're going into this you're going into the winter and you got Ken Rosenthal tweeting this. Jeff Passen tweeting uh Jeff Passen tweeting that. It's going to fall on deaf ears. And I just think it's going to be a really really bad idea. Get something done. Everybody's going to want certain things that that the, the owners the owners They've been offering a lot of stuff that why wouldn't the players want? Players want a floor. The players want two more teams. I mean, they're offering, you know, DH for everybody means more money. So I'm glad that Bob feels that way because a lot of people haven't felt that way. And everybody wants to play the doom and gloom game. But, you know, how much, I mean, look what happened last year. Look what happened this year. I mean, you know, a lot of teams for the most part were at limited capacity for a long time. I mean, why wouldn't owners under under close to the the current system want to get back to business? The more money you make, the more your the value of your franchise goes up. It, it it's the bottom line. And the players, man, these guys have lost a lot of money. Like how much how much I mean, how much do these guys and I can't say it enough. If you go around the game, Cody, and you look at the majority of the top players in the game, they've got contracts.
1: Yeah, the only guys that really don't is like a one soto and then the free the big free agents from this year because we saw Tatis get a deal last year, or last offseason. So a lot of the young stars in the game, you know, Ronald Acuna Jr., Ozzy Albies, um, who who are we forgetting? Um, uh, Vlad Guerrero, but, I mean, he's still a couple years away from me being eligible for a new contract. But guys like that, like, they, they're they so, you know, he, he could be a guy that gets one, but, like, the major guys, besides Soto, you're right, all have deals already signed. Except for like a Seeger and a Carlos Correa, who's probably gonna be the probably get the biggest deal out of all the, the shortstops this offseason after the play way he's played in the postseason. I think he was gonna get the most money regardless because he's the youngest. And but I you're right. I think that it's they need to get this done because after what happened last year with all the back and forth with the COVID season and just it, it's not a good, it's not gonna be a good look for the sport if they lock out. Uh, And you miss some games going into next year. Um, Just get the deal done, have the games played, and, you know, agree to the universal DH. Maybe agree to the whole thing with the pitching limits. Maybe get it to 13 this year for your roster, and then move it to 12 the year going, you know, the next year. Uh, Maybe consider that the idea that Jason Stark had, where you have the, the double whammy kind of idea where, once you take your starting pitcher out and if we have a universal DH, then you lose that DH the, the the rest of the game too. That way that incentivizes the team to keep their DH in. Or keep their starting pitcher in. Because then your pitchers have to start hitting. I mean that's just I mean, that's a way to do it. I mean that's that's one of the ways you could do it. There's so many different things you could do to make the game better. These games that are going four plus hours in the postseason that you know if I had a 10-year-old son, how's he going to be able to watch the game if I lived on the East Coast, if the game's ending at eleven fifty-nine on the East Coast? It's, it's, just, it's not feasible. There's so many things they need to fix, but the first thing they need to fix is making sure that we're going to have a player's agreement we're going to have a lockout and not have a lockout going into the next season.
3: I hope Bob's right because I don't want to be talking about this in December, January, Oh, my God, you know, the threatening of spring training. I mean, these guys, seriously. You know, it's this is not like what it was back in the day. Even though they're trying to kind of frame it that way, the players union and the owners, this is not what it used to be. The money is far more than it's ever been before. The pie, you know, back in the day when these guys were fighting, The pizza pie was like a small pie, right? When they were fighting like in the 70s and 80s. And then it became a large that they're fighting over. Well, now it's an extra large. This is an extra large big boy pizza. There's enough to go around. And maybe COVID and 2020 help solve the problem. You know, because if we would have played 162 with no problem last year and 162 this year with no problem, maybe that would have been a different story. But all these teams, they understand. I mean, these under the, these owners know what the bottom line is, and their bottom line was dramatically affected. The player's bottom line was dramatically affected. Man, I, I mean, if it was me, I want to make full boat. So get a deal done and i'd say that to both owners and players haggle over what you need to haggle over do we know what the number is the number one thing a ceiling that is is what their problem is
1: i think that was the fear with the whole idea of the floor cuz in that 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 brings in the idea of a salary cap um I and mean, if that's really what's holding you back i mean come on
3: Dude, you got guys getting four hundred, three hundred million dollar contracts, and then and then essentially what you're telling me is you're now just worried about the super super player, whether he's going to get his deal. Man, you can look at the Padres; they've got two guys with over three hundred. You know, Manny Machado is what at three hundred, and Tatis is at whatever three hundred and something. I mean, come on, what are we talking about here?
1: Yeah, and the better question is just take Mookie Betts out because he got that deal last year and all that. Um, Out of all those out of all these guys recently, they've signed those big 300 million dollar deals or big deals. How many of these guys have uh, been to the World Series or won one?
3: Nobody wants to talk about this stuff. I just I just thought that would be really good for people to hear, you know, someone like Bob Nightingale, who's very connected, say, I don't I think we're going to get something done here while the other guys are all going doom and gloom. It was good to hear Bob say that because, you know what? That's probably the more realistic approach. Coming up next, Roxy Bernstein right here on A's Cast Live.
1: Hi, this is Eduardo Perez from ESPN. When I'm in the Bay Area, I make sure I listen to A's Cast Live. You're dang right.
3: By the way, the teams that have scored first are 27 and 9 this postseason. The home team has won 24 of 36 games this postseason for a winning percentage of 667. There's a lot of interesting notes that I wish we would have got to today. But obviously, we'll get to them Wednesday. And hopefully the series is not over yet. Because a game seven is good for the sport. Hey, Roxy. Hi, Uncle Townie. How are you? I was just saying that even though I want the Braves to win, I'd like to see a game seven because it's good for baseball.
8: No question. You know know how excited we get just with everything riding on the line, one game to decide it all, and how good the wild card games have been. You look at game sevens, and whether it's the Stanley Cup playoffs, the NBA, why not? And I'm with you that we'd like to see the Braves win, even though we do have a special, I I think, place – that we are pulling for Dusty Baker, but we don't want necessarily Astros to win. But I think it'd be great for baseball to get that drama and and have everybody tuned in. And, and I think it'd be great for the game. If we had a game seven.
3: All righty, What did you think of the press conference down in San Diego today to introduce our guy, Bob Melvin?
8: Oh, was it painful for you too?
3: I just, I didn't even like watching it. I knew I had to, cause I was going to talk about it. Like if we didn't have a show today, I wouldn't have even watched it.
8: It, it, It's kind of like, you're watching your ex-girlfriend move on. Right? And go on to another relationship. You're like, ah, no that's the way I looked at it with bob to be honest with you it's it look you and i were spoiled chris and ken and vince to be around bob melvin to get to know him as well as we did for a long time and the numerous conversations that all of us had over the years and look i've ha- I, i've worked with a number of managers for teams i've worked for got to know managers across baseball, but mostly, you know, the teams I've worked for and working with Bob, I can confidently say that I have never had a better relationship with a manager who has been open with us, uh, helping us do our jobs and understood what we needed to do our jobs to the best of our ability. And I think he appreciated what we did and there's no question we we appreciate the job that Bob did and how great of a person he was. And Forget, we, we know how just fabulous a manager he is. But just from a personal standpoint, I, I think for me, Chris, look, as much as I loved watching him run games and managing the A's, for me, it's on a personal level where I'm going to miss that daily interaction with Bob and how wonderful he treated everybody. That's, that's the sad thing about it, at least for me, the way I look at it.
3: You know, I, I, I tried to explain to an A's fan today, and that A's fan is in their 30s. I tried to give them an example of what's different for him than what it is for, like, Bob and Billy Bean, is that these guys, Bob Bob's going to be 61 next year. So a, a 30-something, he can say, hey, no matter what year you get the ballpark, I'm going to be there. You know, Bob has come to the realization, and I think some of the people in the organization have come to the realization that this ballpark is not coming anytime soon. And by the time there's a new ballpark, these guys are going to be retired because they don't want to do it forever. I mean, Bob's not going to be managing in his late si- 60s, let alone into his 70s. So I, I think the, the writing is kind of on the wall for some of the people like, hey, listen, we've waited, we've waited, we've waited. We You, you don't know what the roster is going to look like next year. I mean, hell, you know, the, you know, the environmental report's been pushed back. There's no deal between the city, county, and the team. At some point, enough is enough.
8: And, look, and you're right. that We're, we're not going to see a ballpark regardless of, you know, obviously, hopefully it's here. But if it's, heaven forbid, for the Bay area fans, if it's out of the Bay area, it's not going to be for a while. And in reality, you're right. Bob was never going to manage in the new ballpark. It just wasn't, I shouldn't say never, but it was a strong likelihood that he wasn't going to be still manager of the Oakland A's when we opened up that sparkling ballpark down on the waterfront at Howard terminal. It just, it wasn't most likely a reality, but at the same time, He is a Bay Area guy, and he desperately, like everybody else here, wants to see it and wants to see the A's thrive and have success, even if he's not a part of it. And look, we've seen the landscape of baseball change in terms of a lot of younger managers, but Bob's still one of the best managers in baseball. And I think we've appreciated the job that he did for so many years, making this team, along with the front office, so competitive. And... Look, I I think a breath of fresh air could be good for some of the guys in there. And it's certainly difficult to say goodbye to a manager, the quality of Bob Melvin. And the Padres certainly are stepping into a great situation with Bob. But Bob's not the only capable manager in baseball. And I think David Forrest, Billy Bean, along with Dave Cavill and John Fisher, they're going to find the best manager and the best fit for the Oakland A's in Look, if it's somebody on staff, great. If they bring in somebody from the outside, fabulous. And I have utmost confidence that they'll be able to find the right person to lead the eighth forward.
3: Yeah, and, and and Bob said it during his press conference. He said, you know, this is probably my last hurrah. You know, I, I, you know, this is it. So he wanted to go to a place where he thinks he can win. He wanted to go to a place where he knows they're going to spend money right now. He, you know went to the playoffs six times with the A's. That was a big deal. But I, you know, the more you think about it, I mean, it, it hurts for us. As you said, it's like your girlfriend moves on, but you understand, I mean, for Bob, it's the right situation. And, you know, it's just, it is what it is. But as you said, this is not the first time that they've had to remake things, and it's kind of like what it's, you know, the Rays, the Rays have done it over the years, the A's have done it over the years, so it may be panic for people like us, it's not going to be panic inside that room for the athletics front office.
8: And I'm not panicking either. I mean, yeah, it, okay, it stinks, there's a change, and unfortunately, change is inevitable, and As are going to go in a different direction with the manager, and Bob made his decision when San Diego pursued him. But you know, who knew of Kevin Cash, right? In, in Tampa Bay before he took over running that team? And Gabe Kapler was ran out of Philadelphia. They 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 couldn't wait to get rid of him. and now he's allotted as one of the best managers in baseball. So there's gonna be, uh, a strong pool of candidates for whatever direction the front office decides to go in. There's a lot of great capable baseball people. And like, you know, David Forrest, you know, Billy, I do too. And I, and they're going to make a, a very good move. They're going to find a guy that I have the utmost confidence. They're going to find the next strong manager and bring that consistency and, and make the A's a, a, a contender. Just, I, the way they are able to s- assemble rosters and put things together, I'm not panicking. I'm not worried about the future for the for this baseball team.
3: This offseason kind of reminds me of last offseason where I kept saying, trust the process. You just have to trust the process. And too many people who I think are lazy and don't understand it are like, rebuild, where this may more likely be a retool. And since it's Cody's birthday... Uh, I'm going to give him the shout out as he's the one that brought it up going, hey, listen, the team is old. So you got to make some. I mean, the bullpen wasn't very good. You got to retool the bullpen and you got to retool because a lot of your players are, are in are in their 30s are well into their 30s. And that's not the recipe for success long term.
8: It's not. And unfortunately, look, the bullpen took a hit even before the season began, right? You made the commitment to bring in Trevor Rosenthal, which I thought would have been a very good move for this team with the need for a closer. And uh, unfortunately, it didn't work out. He physically just couldn't take the ball. And he needed a a procedure uh, after the shoulder issue on the hip. And it just never really came to fruition, unfortunately. Which, that was a significant loss to this team, Chris, as we know. Look, Lou Trevino did a really good job for a number of months before he hit a bump in the road and seemed to find it again at the end of the year. Uh, Jake Diekmann had his moments this year. And then, uh, late in the year, seemed to falter and, and lack with his confidence. Sergio Romo had his ups and downs. He's Petit with his durable self. Um, I loved the addition of Andrew Chafin. I thought he really... Gave the bullpen a strong boost as well. I, I, but I, th- I think you'll agree with me, uh, Chris, that we need to see, I, I think, some power arms come into the bullpen. And Rosenthal was expected to be one of those, right? I mean, Trevino is that type of arm. When, G- when Diekman can harness his pitches, he's that type of a guy from the left side. But we're seeing some of the power arms around baseball really thrive, especially late in the season. And it behooved the A's to get some high-velocity guys to throw them down there and and see because I I just felt that there was too many times that you were hoping that, you know, I don't want to say smoke and mirrors, but certainly the smarts and the high IQ of Sergio Romo and and his ability to pitch and petite would get guys out. But I think that just there were too many similar guys in the bullpen that made it a challenge.
3: And the reality is... None of those guys are down in our farm system, and the only way you're gonna get those guys in, you're gonna to have to give something up for your from your big club to get those guys into your bullpen.
8: Yeah, and it didn't help that AJ Puck had some more injury you know, injury issues because I think they were hoping that he was a the guy they could count on to provide some power at the back end of the bullpen, whether he is a piece for the bullpen or whether he's going to be a factor as far as the rotation goes. I think that's still to be determined. But that was a piece that the A's were counting on. and So you throw him in the mix. You're hoping to have him. You're hoping to have Rosenthal. And I think you can understand where the bullpen had some of its shortcomings and struggles just because of – and look, we know the margin for error isn't as great for the A's as it is for some other organizations. It's just the reality of the situation. And look, the Yankees, if they, a couple guys go down, it's not necessarily a big deal. I mean, the Red Sox stumbled across Garrett Whitlock this year. And a lot of these bullpens have that ability, whether it's the Dodgers, that if somebody goes down, they have the wherewithal and they have the depth to be able to deal with significant losses. But the A's just don't have that same luxury and that's i think made it more challenging for bob melvin this past year scott emerson to try to hold that thing together at the back end of games
3: do you think they stay in house or do you think they look outside for the next manager
8: Uh, look i think there are really good candidates internally for the a's and whether it's for example you know ryan christensen or mark uh that could be in the discussion as far as the manager moving forward goes. Um, People have tried to draw the connection to Ron Washington because of his connection to the organization, having been a manager before. And I know that would be certainly well-received by a lot of people as well. And I'd have to imagine at this point, look, we're still so early in that process, but those would be, I mean, granted, I'm not breaking any news here because those are the same names that people have been throwing out, but it, it makes a lot of sense that those three names would be at the top of the list. And we'll see if they open up the pool and, and go outside the organization. Wouldn't surprise me because I, I know how uh, connected Billy and David are around baseball. So it wouldn't shock me at all if they decided to go outside the organization, but I think they're going to give a look internally and talk about those candidates before they tend to go outside the, the A's organization.
3: Yeah, and you got to give AJ Preller credit cuz he was doing his due diligence cuz I thought like why would they ever even call Bob Melvin? It's kind of crazy, but if you're looking around and you're saying, "Hey, who's the best guy for us? Let's give Billy Bean a call." I mean, you got to give credit to AJ, and it's kind of like his last stand also.
8: And the worst they're going to say is no, right? If you call up, if you're AJ Preller and you know, look, you're you're hoping that they'll say yes. They'll give you the opportunity to talk to Bob Melvin. And they said, yes. And all of a sudden, why wouldn't you jump in as well? So um, I I think that, you know, from the Padres standpoint, they kind of were taking their shot. They're winding up, going forward. And they got the answer they were looking for. And then they pursued Bob. And you can't blame them in the slightest. And I'm sure the A's are going to be smart about how they proceed as well. But. I think that, you know, Bob took the security as well, got a three-year deal um, with an opportunity to manage Fernando Tatis Jr. And it'll be weird having him manage Manny Machado, considering how well-received Manny Machado is in Oakland. So that'll be an interesting dynamic. But he's stepping into a great situation, a team that underachieved this past year that was expected to contend, not just in the National League West. But be in the conversation as far as the World Series goes, and they completely fizzled the last couple of months of the season. It was a disaster. for and The Padres had no decision but to fire Jace Tingler. And, yes, they had some injury issues, especially with the pitching staff. But th- th- as you and I, I think, are on the same page as this, Chris, as l- much as we love Bob, in Oakland, Padres have hit a home run by, able, by being able to woo him down to San Diego.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, you you, you think of long-term contracts in baseball for managers, there's not really any. Getting a guaranteed three-year deal is like as good as you're going to get from anybody.
8: And and that's right now the security. And to have that security going in, to know that going in. And so the Padres went with a couple of younger managers, that didn't work out. All the rumblings were that they were going to go for somebody with experience. And they kept trying to – I know people were trying to make the connection. Maybe Bruce Bochy would come back to the Padres. But it, it makes a lot of sense that they wanted the exact opposite of Jace Tingler. A manager has been there and done that. And Bob has done just about everything in this game. He's been a manager of the year. Why wouldn't you, if you're A.J. Preller and the Padres, kick the tires to see if you can lure Bob Melvin away from Oakland to San Diego and it worked for them?
3: All right, Commander Cody, it's your birthday, so we're going to finish with buying or selling, and Roxy will be with us. Take it away.
1: Happy birthday, Cody. Uh, thanks, Roxy. All right, hold on. It's time for Buying or Selling. So, so. Right now with Chris Townsend on
3: AceCast Live.
1: roxy so you weren't a part of this conversation earlier so we can bring it up again uh i don't know if you saw this or not but town and i talked about it the uh the guardians are set to take the field in 2022 there's a lot of excitement around cleveland or the land as lebron calls it but uh, a roller derby team that uh, has called itself the cleveland Guardians since 2013 is suing the city's major league baseball team in federal court in cleveland uh, on you know last Wednesday for alleging that the switch from the Indians to Guardians infringes on his trademark. Now, here's a quote from the uh, lawsuit. A major league club cannot simply take a smaller team's name and use it for itself. There cannot be two Cleveland Guardian Guardians teams in Cleveland, and to be blunt, Plaintiff, Plaintiff was here first, meaning the, the roller derby team was the first team there. The Cleveland baseball team released a statement saying, we've been and continue to be confident in our position to become the Guardians. We believe there is no conflict between the parties and their ability to operate in their respective business areas. Buying or selling the Indians will be known as the Guardians in 2022. I'm
8: buying it, Cody. Look, we've seen what back in the day before the Cardinals moved to Arizona, the St. Louis Cardinals in football, the St. Louis Cardinals in basketball. We, we've seen when before the Giants moved to San Francisco. The New York Football Giants and New York Baseball Giants. Precedent has been set, so I'm buying. They will be the Cleveland Guardians.
3: Uh, I'm buying. Also, I'll keep it simple. Just write the check, and you won't have this problem.
1: Let's go ahead. <laughs> go ahead and <laughs> put just write, it.
3: Just just write the check, and it's over with.
8: To, to, to quote the great Cindy Lauper, "County money changes everything." Is that what you're saying?
3: It's that simple. The the the, the roller derby team just they 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 already would they. They've already like proposed the money they would take in Cleveland. You know, uh, the tribe didn't want to do it. I'm telling you right now. Just give, just, just make out the check, and the problem goes away.
1: All right. So. 2021 was a, uh, first of all, shout out to Roxy's Cal Barris another big win against Oregon State on Saturday. Yes. We were both there in attendance. Although Commander Cody left early, I saw. Yeah, Well, my friends wanted to leave early because uh, they don't like to stay late for games. My one friend's like, hey, it's getting kind of late. It's almost my bedtime. Dude, it's 7 o'clock. What do you mean it's your bedtime? You're 32 years old. So anyway, we left early, but big win for the Bears. Were they
8: worried about traffic and getting out of there?
1: Yeah, I it know. Was, it, was, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a packed house at Memorial Stadium on Saturday, so we, they had to get out of there early. Uh, so 2021 was a good year for former Cal Bear, Marcus Simeon. He broke the record for most, most home runs by second baseman of 45. He is set to become a free agent again this offseason at age 31. He is also a gold glove finalist at second base. Well, Thursday, John Heyman reported that Marcus has decided to move on from the Wasserman group, and he's hired our good friend Scott Boris's group to represent him. Marcus could be one of the most sought-after free agent middle infielders this offseason, and the Boris clients are set to make – a lot of money potentially this offseason. Heyman tweeted that he's looking, Boris clients could be looking to make up to $1 billion this offseason, which will be somewhere around what the 2019 2020 class made, which uh, then include Garrett Cole and others. The, some of the guys this year include Scherzer, Bryant, Cassianos if he opts out, Conforto, Carlos Rodon, JD Martinez if he opts out, and others. Buying or selling, Marcus Simeon will sign a long term deal this offseason.
3: I'll take this one and I'm going to sell. I think, uh, unfortunately for Marcus, the, this has been the worst two years in a long, long time for free agents. I think we know with COVID and the lack of money the last two years, you've got, you got the CBA fight that's coming up. Marcus is 31 years old. Are you, when you talk long, long-term deal, what are you talking? People want to pay him till he's 36, 30s, 30, you know, 37. I'm just, I feel bad for Marcus. He just ran into the worst. Now, hey, it was Grady he had one year, 18 million? But if we're going to talk about what a real long-term deal is, I'm going to sell.
8: Yeah, I'm with you, Chris, on selling it. I think the labor issue will significantly impact the situation for Marcus. Now, you make that move to go to Boris for one reason, right? To get paid. And I think he will eventually get money and significant money, but in a short-term deal. I, I just, I'm with you because of the uncertainty as far as the labor issues go. And a lot of these deals may get rushed. I think just because of the timing of everything, I'm thinking he signs for a lot of money, but a shorter term deal.
3: Hey, remember Mark Grates always said, you want to make the most money? Keep signing just one year deals and you'll make the most money you possibly can. You're not going to have the security you want, but Marcus has already made millions. If you keep signing one, two year big deals, you'll maximize your value. If you keep hitting and playing like the way he does.
1: So the Mets uh, front office debacle, uh, well, that continues. Uh, The other day, well, the one I wrote this was the other day. So last week, uh, Giants GM Scott Harris pulled out of the running. So did uh, Brewers GM Matt Arnold. They've already lost out on Billy Bean and David Stearns. So now apparently, according to The Athletic, the the Mets haven't reached out to former Marlins GM Michael Hill or three-time World Series champion Brian Sabian. And also in the article, it says that Steve Cohen is not in a rush either. And the Cohen is running the executive search on his own, according to multiple sources, with little input, even from the team president, Sandy Alderson. Now, Cohen's independent handling of the search, which was delayed slightly by a family vacation he took in early October to Europe, has left with those in, in the Mets organization confused about the direction it's headed and what name they'll hear tied to the position next. Now, the most recent name I've heard now is the Red Sox assistant GM Raquel Fiera is the name that I guess they gave permission for her to interview with the, uh, with the Mets. So she could make, potentially become the second female general manager in Major League Baseball. But buying or selling the Mets will not have a general manager by the end of the month. You want me to
2: take this one, Tony
3: Go ahead.
8: I'm, I'm going to sell it. I, I think they will have somebody in place. Um, but it certainly has been a circus for the Mets to try to get this situation resolved. And you mentioned Michael Hill's name there, Cody. I'm a huge Mike Hill fan. He's awesome. He was. I was in Miami with him when he was the assistant GM and then moved up to the GM when Larry Beinfest was moved upstairs into the president of baseball operations role. Michael Hill is a fabulous guy. And just a good person on top of being a great baseball mind. I would love to see him get that opportunity, but... Whatever direction the Mets go in, I think they will have somebody in place within the span of the next month.
3: I'll just say this: it's it's becoming very evident that this is going to be a very tough job, and this is a, this is an owner who obviously is worth sixteen billion dollars, but he is going to be a load, and it might scare you if you if you're a bright mind and you think you can get a job, it might scare you to take that because you might be taking the job to get fired really quick. Because obviously he's got the money and no matter what he signs you to, he can blow you out. And if he's going to boss you around, it is New York, which is, I think that's what the job has going for it. But working for Steve Cohen might not be something that a lot of guys, it might not be attractive to a lot of guys.
1: Yeah. I, I. We talked about that before. The, the the whole Cohen thing is interesting and how that organization's run. All right, last one, and I'll keep it short. Jose Altuve now has 23 postseason home runs. He not only trails Manny Ramirez, who has 29, and Manny Ramirez, I looked it up, has played in 111 career postseason games. Jose Altuve has played in 78 career postseason games. Jesus. Buying or selling, the Houston Astros should rename the Crawford boxes to Altuve's landing.
3: Oh God. Uh, you know, the other night we were talking about this. I was at this party and I'm like, hey, listen, I don't want to take anything away from him. He's a great player, but he's played in a bazillion playoff games. That's why he you ha- still got to hit the home runs, but he's had the opportunity like not many players. Uh, but I'll tell you this, if the Braves prevail and we don't see another World Series championship, for the Houston Astros? I mean, you want to talk about affecting their legacy? Because Roxy, if they won this one, they could have said, aha, you see? But if they don't, we're all still going to point. You're banging trash cans, and that's the only time you won.
8: Well, it's fitting, Cody, that the short porch in Houston will be renamed for Altuve, right?
1: Uh, Let's see what you're doing here. (laughs) I go for the low-hanging fruit. That's how I work. Clearly. Did you By the way did you guys see I didn't know that this is a thing in baseball uh, so the the Giants lost the uh, one of their biggest coaches uh, Donnie Ecker their hitting coach Yeah I saw that He's now the offensive coordinator for the Texas Rangers I didn't know offensive coordinators Wait, were. Any. Yeah,
8: I, I, I did, did, did he script his first fifteen plays like they do in the NFL
1: too? Uh, thank you, Kyle Shanahan. I didn't realize that, that was a thing. I didn't <laughs> are realize. We gonna be a
3: running team or a throwing team? Like what are we? What are we doing here?
1: Maybe they're going to run it and throw a little bit. Like uh, Jim Tomsula told Jim Cozumore once. Uh, yeah, what? offensive coordinator for the Texas Rangers. Oh, and the bench coach apparently
3: way, what the hell does that mean, offensive coordinator?
1: I, I don't know. So who, who's their defensive coordinator,
8: by the way? Do they have one?
1: <laughs> I, do they, he, they have somebody who runs their special teams as well? So, so their their defensive coordinator, if you go off of what he used to do, he actually used to be Jace Tingler. Uh, then we all know what happened to him. He moved on and managed the Padres for two years, and he's out of a job now. So, uh, are we want,
3: are we running a three-four, a four-three? <laughs> what are we doing here? <laughs>
1: So, yeah, that's, what kind of
8: offense? Is he going to go to run and shoot? Is he going to air raid? Is he going to get more of a pro-style offense? What, what can we expect from the Rangers?
1: Well, it is Texas, so they'll probably run an air raid. I mean, Texas Tech. And Texas can't win a game under Sark.
8: Maybe maybe he'll go back to the old days in the wishbone.
3: Are we, are we going to get to a point where a team could be paying more coaches than players?
8: Well, I mean, that's part of the CBA, right? Because it, it – well, the Major League Baseball is you're only allowed to have X amount of coaches in uniform in the dugout during a game or on the field, I should say. You could have coaches, but only a certain amount are allowed to be on the field. I mean, remember when Wash was first brought back by the A's county? He yep. couldn't be in uniform and on the field. He had to be upstairs.
3: Yeah, but the thing about it is you, you, if you, you – you don't. You only need so many guys in the dugout. It's all. Right. Before, it's all before the game. So it's like the Giants have the biggest coaching staff because they were all out there before the game. Then you throw them up in the booth. Or the next thing you know, are we going to have coaches? Coaches in the booth with headsets down to the guys in the dugout?
8: <laughs> are they sending messages on the iPad?
3: Oh, my God. Where, where, where are we going with it? Where are we going with this game, Roxy? We're watching the playoffs. Starters can't go deep. It's all about bullpens. We got a million coaches. Where the hell are we going with this?
8: Yeah, yet there's still no transparency with the replay review. And that's, that, I just, that's all I want. Am I asking for too much that we have the transparency about, okay, what the call is? Why was this made? What did you see? Every other sport gives it to you. Why can't baseball give it to us? And why are they so secretive about who's in that replay room why can't they tell us who's making the decisions
3: and why can't they get on a microphone and tell us what they're looking at
8: yes yes all right we're checking to see if his foot came off the bag we're checking to see if he got the tag on the left knee before he hit the i mean why can't they why can't there be more transparency that's what i want if we're going to have labor issues can we inject our philosophy on them and have more transparency as far as the replay review system goes?
3: And let me give you guys one. So, so the Padres wanted to get their guy. So they went out and they made the years and they made the money work. I don't know how many transactions there, there's going to be before we find out what the CBA is. Buying or selling, Bob Melvin will be the biggest move in baseball until a CBA is agreed upon between the owners and the Players Union.
8: I'm buying that. I think that it, I, I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think everybody's going to be cautious and wait until after to get stuff done. I, I think that we're going to see limited amount of movement coming up the next few weeks, and then once hopefully we get this thing settled. That's when you'll have just the the flood of moves and big moves made after.
3: Cody,
1: uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna sell because the Mets need a GM, and I think that happens before before this happens.
8: But do you think you think Cody that's bigger than Bob Melvin being hired by the Padres?
1: Well, the the Mets can then hire a manager, so that could start a chain reaction. But no, you know, if the more I think about it,
3: a GM's not getting 12 million, Cody.
1: Well, that's true. No, and. and
8: it's not like there's multiple time managers of the year just growing on trees.
1: Yeah. You know what? Yeah, I'll probably buy it then. Because uh, I just saw it right now. Zach Scott, the, uh, the, guy, the guy that was running the Mets, they got the DUI. Uh, he's not returning to Mets. It was just reported. So that, he's out. So the Mets <laughs> did you, train wreck continues. He was? Were you holding
8: your breath to see if he was coming back?
1: Yeah. But, no, but <laughs> it's, it's official now. He is not coming back to, to Mets. So their train wreck continues.
3: All right, gentlemen, that will do it. By the way, Cody, happy birthday. Enjoy your dinner. Uh, Roxy, we will speak soon. And everybody be well. We're going to replay A's Cast Live next. We'll be back on Wednesday at 1 o'clock. Have a great night, everybody.
8: This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.